Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Jersey. It's the Sports Bash, live from Mandalay Bay on Radio Row in Las Vegas, home of Super Bowl 58. Here's Mike Gill and Scott Grayson. It is the Sports Bash Live, 97.3 ESPN, the 97.3 ESPN free mobile app, live on Radio Row, Mandalay Bay. It's the final day for the Sports Bash on location at the Super Bowl, and we are here till 6, trying to get uh, all the information and the sights and the sounds and set it all up for you. Super Bowl 58, Mike Gill, Scott Grayson from Fox 29. Holy moly, Scott, we have reached the final day, and uh, it has been a whirlwind. We have seen and heard, and we will discuss a lot that is happening from out here. We've got some great interviews coming up, including comedian Burt Kreischer is coming up at 2.30. And uh, Burt Kreischer's been making some news out here. He was seen the other night playing a intense game of blackjack with um, Jason, Jason Kelsey. Kelsey. And we are hopeful that maybe Burt Kreischer will be the one that breaks the news whether or not Kelsey confided in him whether or not he's going to play next year. But uh, Burt Kreischer, the comedian, is going to join us at 2.30. He's coming to Atlantic City, actually. We are in Vegas, but he is coming to Atlantic City uh, at Hard Rock later on this year. So we'll tell you more information on that. Uh, so that should be fun. Sal Pal is out here with the 49ers. It's a Sal Pal Friday. It's a happy hour Friday, uh, of course, on a happy hour Friday. And I hope everybody out there listening uh, can... Uh, send us some Happy Hour Friday picks for the weekend for the Super Bowl. A Super Bowl edition of Happy Hour Friday, 609-403-0973. Sal Pal today. Also, uh, Kevin Harlan's going to call the game. He's going to join us tonight uh, in the 4 o'clock hour. So we are really busy. I will say it's a Happy Hour Friday, Scott. I will, I got to say, I'm impressed with you about something. Oh, Really? So it's a happy hour Friday, and on our happy hour Friday shows, we like the listeners to text in different beers that they're going to have this weekend. It's a good way for us to form this little beer community, and I get a lot of great recommendations from the listeners. Okay. But you have had a lot of the local fair, uh, a lot of the local beers out here. Yeah, when I got a lot. I'm not saying you've sampled like 10 or 11, but we've gone to a couple different places, and you do a good job of going out of your way to get the local beer yeah i like trying something different where i I, you know you're not going to get most likely back home um and get a taste of the area you're in right so yeah i went with i was asking the bartenders yeah what's a good local he did last night he said to the to the bartender he said you know what's your local beer and she uh you know what was the name of your beer she gave a really good description of it it was the lovely lovely lady lovely lady yeah from vegas yep yeah i had a beer from oregon um, I'll get the name of it. It was a very funny, like, in fact, when I ordered the beer to the bartender, I, I said it like a football play. Yeah. And it was like on two. Uh, but, yeah, happy hour Friday, everybody. Send them in. Let us know. Yeah, mine was the Hop Valley Stash Panda. Uh-huh. It was very good. 
the Stash Panda. It's from Portland, Oregon. So I'm starting the show today with a happy hour Friday play. Last night, uh, Scott and I, we basically just walked the town. We, we wanted to go see the sights and sounds. I have never been to Vegas, and, and as you walked with me last night, I have to say, I am thoroughly impressed with this place. It is just on another level. You know, living in Atlantic City my whole life, basically, the casinos are there. I'm not one of these people that hates Atlantic City. I'm not one of these people that, like, always rips Atlantic City. You could do better. They they are kicking your ass. (laughs) I mean, seriously. Like, Atlantic City, come on. Like, what they have done out here, it is unbelievable. Believable. Well, so and you had a. F- they started first, right? So you would think, okay, they started first. Let me better what they did. Whoever put the blueprint together here was was doing something right. Yeah, there's no doubt. I mean, it's well designed. It's easy to. Um, it was pretty easy to walk. Uh, you do get a little bit tired when you walk. We, well, I mean, the damn strip. It's long. endless. Long, it <laughs> I is. mean, it's endless. But we walked outside, and I went up and saw Allegiant Stadium, which is right across the highway from where we are right now at Mandalay Bay. We walked outside. It was, uh, what, we went through Excalibur. We went Excalibur, up to the next, uh, yep. the next one. Um, New York, New York. New York, New York. And right outside New York, New York, Mike says, I want to see where the Vegas Knights play. It's right there. Yep. Oh, the, the, the T-Mobile Arena is right yep. there. Um, we went to Paris. We went to the Bellagio. I mean, but the amount of high-end shopping, and, I mean, come on. I was like, I could not. Look, I'm well, an ocean. hotel rooms. I'm the- an ocean every Monday, and that place is fabulous. Yep. It, it is, like, and it's a, it's a beautiful place. It's monstrous. And I said, we're at the Luxor. The Luxor has over 4,400 rooms, and that's one of the smaller places out here. I mean, Ocean is probably, I would imagine, the biggest one in Atlantic City and has less than 45. I think it has like 3,500 rooms. So just to put it in perspective, one of the lesser places around, you know, you are looking at a situation where uh, for like we have two people coming over here in like 10 minutes. Okay. Um, So... It is a situation where I am very impressed. I am impressed with what they're and how they're putting this all on. I mean, it's not overcrowded. There's just people. It's fun. It's it's clean. It is a, a for that fabulous event. Um, we were walking down the strip last night, and a girl walked up to us. She was representing Pepsi, right? And she grabs me and she says, "Would you like to get in the line to win Super Bowl tickets?" And I'm like, eh, I don't, "No, not really. You know, we're not going to be here. Like, what are the chances I'm going to win Super Bowl yeah, tickets?" Right. right? So as we're having this conversation, and she is trying to convince us to get into the line to try to win Super Bowl tickets, a guy won the Super Bowl tickets. Yeah, you had to answer a question, right? You had to answer a trivia question. You got a code. And when you answered the question, you got to if you got it right, you got to put your code in. And if your code matched, you won the Super Bowl tickets. So sure enough, we're sitting there. And the guy and his wife, they just started running and screaming. They right the, on the street. The guy was excited. The wife was screaming. I mean, like, I think she might have been even more excited than him. Oh, she was. It was. I could not believe. We're sitting there having this conversation. You're like, yeah, I'm going to win Super Bowl tickets. Sure. And sure enough, the guy wins the Super Bowl tickets. <laughs> so you look at her and you say, that means nobody else is winning tickets, <laughs> right? right? <laughs> can, I get, can I get in the line? Is there more tickets available uh, or what there? But uh, that was one of the things. You know, obviously, there's just so much going on. Uh, you know, we walked through the Bellagio last night. You're seeing the fountains going. I mean, what a spectacle, man. 
Right, what and a that's spectacle. And so that's where CBS has all their main sets, which we'll see Sunday featured prominently uh, during the game. Um, yeah, and and, and and yeah, and it's they all have these bridges across the road, so you're never having to cross uh, at a crosswalk, you know. And you can look up and down the strip. We saw the sphere uh, off a little bit further away, but still there. Uh, just massive. It is massive. I literally had a picture in my head what I thought you know this place would look like. I was off. Yeah, and up until yesterday, as you said, we never walked outside. You had been living in Mandalay Bay, Luxor, uh, yeah, proper the, the entire time. Well, our rooms at the Luxor, and, the, and everything is kind of connected. Right. So you walk from the Luxor to get to Mandalay Bay, and you just kind of keep taking the same path back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Uh, since you know all the times that you're here, so finally last night we you know we decided, look, we've been here, we're leaving, we we should probably go outside, right? So we walked outside, and I said, "You've got to be kidding me." You know, and the airport is right next to the strip. The, uh, the airport's actually out our window in our in our um, uh, hotel room. Uh huh. So uh, it, it is video. You know, to, earlier today, we we're having breakfast in the media room, and a gentleman comes up to us and uh, let's see if anybody out there can answer this question. This guy is he? No, this is what he told us. He's the only player to be traded one for one for a quarterback. He played for the Eagles. So he was dropping clues to us to try to, like, now don't Google it and don't look it up and right. see if anybody out there can get it. He played for the Eagles. He got traded for Ron Jaworski. He is the 1972, I believe, UPI NFL Rookie of the Year, and he played for the Eagles in 1972. Played he ended it. up getting traded and played in the Super Bowl. Yep. Played at USC. Played at USC. Played, played for the Rams. Rams and uh, 49ers. Uh, yes. Played in a Super Bowl with the Niners. Yep. So, um, but he got traded for Ron Jaworski. And uh, so we're talking to the guy, and he, you know, kind of Friendly as could be. Trying to drop these little clues of who he might be. And, like, you don't want to be the guy. That's where you need Schwine. He would just come right on out and ask, like, what's your name? <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, you don't want to be the guy that's like, all right, well, what's your name, buddy? I, I, but as he was kind of giving us some information there, it was, uh, it was kind of fun to catch up with him. See if anybody could text in 609-403-0973. Guy played for the Eagles. Now he played at Vet Stadium. His quarterback was Roman Gabriel. Played with Harold Carmichael, Bill Berge. Yep. Uh, yeah. And it was just amazing. He, uh, somebody he, got the answer. Somebody uh, texted it in. He started the conversation. We're sitting there just eating breakfast. You know, having that first cup of coffee in the media room. And he just, hey, where are you guys from? Friendly guy. It just, just was uh, was a lot of fun to talk to. Yeah, so uh, it's been, a, it's been a, a whirlwind, obviously. So today, um, we want to get into some things as well. Uh, we did see Devontae Smith today. We saw Jordan Davis today. They're out here. So a lot of Eagle presence out here this week. Uh, obviously, yesterday, um, Britton uh, Covey was on the show with us and uh, – Seemingly has been making a lot of news with some of the comments that he made. And, you know, I, I don't really understand why people are are even making a big deal out of this. I thought he was very honest and open about a team that, quite frankly, struggled last year for two months of the season. And asked what he thought the problems were. I thought he was candid. And I don't have any head-scratching issues with what he said. No, I don't either. I think um, 
I think some of what he said is being blown up for attention uh, and just something to talk about. And what he said that's come under fire was not what he said with us. Um, it was something he said to another show while he was making rounds around uh, Radio Row about, you know, and I'm paraphrasing. I should have pulled it up in front of me. But it's about, uh, you know, how guys in the locker room were starting to, you know, lose their confidence in, in, um, in, in each other and things along those lines. And it got twisted into finger pointing, which he never said. Uh, I did see Britton here today. He's uh, at Radio Row again. I invited him. Uh, to come over and talk to us um, if he wants to clear the air. Uh, he said he might do that. So well, we'll see and if- to be clear, again, like you said, it's he is not taking any um, uh, action or, or not upset about anything that we did. No, it was not from us. another interview right. to which he, you know, if you were listening to our conversation with Britain yesterday, which, by the way, we got a lot of great text messages and feedback of people who said, great interview, very candid. You know, we asked him what he thought the problems were, and he said, look, on defense – the coordinator change was a problem. Like they, he acknowledged, like that was tough. Like for the players, he also said on offense, like he thought they could have had more motion. And I thought the thing that was really, really, you know, he said it's the same offense from last year, same terminology, same plays. But he said people had a chance to watch us last All off year. Season. All off season, you said this team went to the Super Bowl. We're playing them next year. Right, You're, we weren't on your schedule last year. Now we are, and we get to watch what your offense looked like last year. Right. So, the Eagles did not really put too many more layers of the offense in there. And he said people caught on to our offense. Now, a lot of the talk about you know we said okay, so wait, the play calls, the names of the plays, and the play designs were exactly the same. He said they did not change at all; just a different play caller essentially. He said so. He didn't think it was fair that Brian took a lot of the criticism. He said, but the offense didn't change. Like, right. we just didn't have a new offense. And the interesting part about that, which was I asked him, did you think that the team would have been better served if they hired a more veteran play caller instead of Brian? He said, yeah, I don't think, like, not to knock Brian, but it's not his offense. And he never really called plays before. And he, he did kind of admit that he thought that having a more veteran play caller may have been something. Right. And I also found it interesting that he said Kellen Moore has already reached out to him personally as well as other players on the offense, uh, which shows you that Kellen Moore is getting to work right away and trying to get on the same page with his guys, which is a good sign. Um, so, yeah, I, so when I saw him, I just went up to him. And, I, and, and Because the last question we asked him was about the, the, the dust-up that occurred over comments he said about Jalen Hurts mm-hmm. that got taken out of context. And he was glad he got the opportunity to kind of just say, no, I love Jalen. He sits next to him on the plane, said he's a, you know, a goofball on the plane, which you would never expect uh, when you see Jalen and how serious he is all the time. Um, and then here it happened again. And, again and, and he said, he's like, I'm a punt returner. I don't want to be making headlines like this. And, uh, you know, I felt bad for him. I genuinely did. So I offered him, I said, hey, we got a spot over here. You know we're, we're, we're not going to throw you under the bus. If you want to clear anything up, you want to try to, you know, clear up some words or anything that was said, you know, we're here uh, to let you do that. And he has- I, I, personally, though, and that's fine by you, I don't think he has anything to, to clear up. I don't know why he would need to say anything. Like, I'm surprised that anybody would say, you know, uh, apparently, you know, there was like, hey, he's a punt returner. You, you don't have the right to or you shouldn't be the one making news. 
Why not? He's one of the 53. And I thought one of the things that he said yesterday, though, was how much of a leader he is. He said, I sit down with everybody on that special teams unit, and I show them film. I break down film for them as to what I need them to do. Um, so I don't understand how anybody can take that role. And, and by the way, I'm not sure what he said that would be a divisive or dividing comment. Like, the team, hello, stunk at the end of the year. Collapsed. Collapsed at the end of the year. What happened? Well, guess what? He said some things, and those people aren't here anymore. No. And, and that's... It's so not like he's saying I agree something, with you. and he has to walk into the locker room, and you're no. like, hey, Brian, sorry, I didn't think you did a good job. Uh, and he didn't even say that he didn't do a good job. He just really felt that... You know that the, the the offense became predictable, right? And I think that's the right word. He didn't use that word, but everything he described was that. And I think that's just. Uh, I think that's it's it's so. To describe the body language, he was sitting in, the, in and I when I walked up to him and I said, "Oh man, it happened to you again." He's like, "That's what I was just talking about with the guy who he's here with, promoting that that vest that uh, you could wear to work out on." So we were just talking about that. And he just looked dejected. And and I genuinely felt bad for the guy because I don't think he did anything wrong. And he said that to me. He said, do you think I said anything I shouldn't have? And I was like, no. I thought you were being honest. I thought you told the truth. Um, well, and we'll frankly, to, that's uh, what you want to hear. Yeah, we're going to talk to Jeff Mosher at Football at Four today. Uh, and he was listening to the interview yesterday because he texted me and, and said, you know, hey, great interview with, with Britton Covey. And... So I want to hear from Jeff's perspective, like what did he take from that that stood out and that he think that, that Britain should feel like that he did something wrong. Right. Like I would hope the organization is not disappointed at well, him. Well, you look at the facts. You were 10-1. and one. You didn't win a playoff game. You didn't even host a playoff game. You didn't win your division. You collapsed. There was not – it's not like they collapsed – and everybody looked around and said, well, hey, guys, have a great offseason. Oh, well. Fletcher Cox sat here with us on the first day we were here, Wednesday. Can't figure out still what went wrong. These guys are, are just, they're, they're still baffled. As you have said, many people around here have come up to us and asked us, what happened to the Eagles? It's one of the big topics here. Yeah, well, and keep in mind, too, I know a lot of these guys are out here, um, but think about the Eagles' presence on Radio Row this week. I, you know, it's here? funny you mention that. Jordan Maialata, Jordan Davis, Devontae Smith, Fletcher Cox, Jason Kelsey. I mean, Britton Covey. Lane got, Johnson. Lane Johnson's out here. You've got six, seven players that are out here, you know, representing the Philadelphia Eagles. And they're taking the opportunities. They're asking, answering questions about what happened. I mean, you know, the Eagles are gone. They haven't played in two months, or over a month, I should say. Um, and everybody's still trying to put the pieces together as to what happened. What happened to this team? And I thought, um, this is Britton Covey yesterday. He told us uh, about the Eagles' offense from 2023 and 2022. What were the differences? We ran the same offense in our Super Bowl year. So Nick Sirianni's offense, was it's not that wasn't the problem. The problem was adjusting to yeah. how teams played us. It's spot on. Again, fact, truth. Anybody want to disagree with what he said? I mean, I think that gives you a great, honest answer of what happened. And and, and the Niners called it out. And this is what Lane Johnson said yesterday that I've seen as well, that the Niners did put something out there that Lane said maybe the Niners did put something out there that everybody else saw that exposed us. Uh, 2.30 today, Burke Kreischer, the comedian, is going to join us. 
Uh, that should be fun. I mean, I know Bert is, uh, for those of you who don't know who he is, maybe never heard of him before, uh, he's the comedian that generally does his show with his shirt off. Uh, <laughs> and he will be in Atlantic City uh, at the Hard Rock, and he's going to be at Vegas as well. Uh, we got that conversation coming up in about 10 minutes from now. We'll also be talking um, with Sal Powell at 3. He's following the Niners. He's got the 49ers. Uh, Donovan McNabb was here earlier as well. We saw him kind of walking around. So another Eagle presence out here in uh, in Vegas. A lot going on. Who are you trying to wave down over there? Uh, my buddy that I used to work with. Oh, okay. <laughs> and like, of course, he went the other way. Gotcha. Uh, all right. So happy hour Friday. Send us your picks. On a happy hour Friday here in Vegas, 609-403-0973. I see a couple happy hour Friday uh, tasters send in from some of the listeners already getting us ready. By the way, the answer to the question was Charlie Young, the 1972 Rookie of the Year, a tight end for the Philadelphia Eagles. I uh, had a good conversation with him earlier today. He was traded for Ron Jaworski, straight up, tight end for quarterback. Said he's in the fourth quarter of his life. <laughs> but still very, he's, I mean, very happy guy. Oh, he was a pleasure He to was, talk yeah, to. great, great to talk to. Uh, all right, we got plenty more coming up. I see your text messages coming in. Corey, uh, excuse me, uh, Colin from Maze Landing says, the vets aren't baffled as to why the team flopped at the end of the season. They just don't want to be ostracized for telling the truth like Britton Covey. That's not a bad perspective. He's not, I, I would say he's not wrong. Um, I, I don't know. I, I, you know what? I'd be curious to hear from the fans out there as well. Like, what do you want to hear from these athletes? Do you want to hear the, the hoorah, rah, rah, like, uh, well, it's the coach speak answers, or do you want truth? If you want from your athletes, what do you want that will help you get the most respect for well, them? Well, it's, they always say, well, they never say anything. And then when they do say something, they get blown out of proportion. So that's why they don't say anything. That's why they don't say anything. They don't want the problems. Uh, Cole from LBI says, uh, the people take the clips of what athletes say and present them in a way that makes it worse than it is. Covey was great and didn't say anything crazy. The one thing that should be concerning to, is him admitting the offense was the same, but people just had tape on them. I think that's a reflection on the quarterback because great quarterbacks overcome that, in my honest opinion. Well, and I think that's why Kellen Moore's here. Because I don't I, I hear what you're saying that great quarterbacks overcome that, but I definitely think that the offense needs another layer. You know, and Covey did say he's like, it's not like we didn't have hot routes. Oh yeah. He he was laughing at the notion right. that they didn't have blitz packages in. But why but were was they that the so right unsuccessful? One? Yeah, right. And and yeah, were they the right ones? Were they you know, there's a whole Or lot. is that on the quarterback? That yeah. he didn't read the routes quick enough. There was a lot of talk this year that Hertz was kind of waiting for the plays, the big play to develop, as opposed to saying, hey, there's a guy open for five yards. Just take it. And he's right. trying to get the 25-yard pass too much. Right, and that's what the Niners, frankly, do so well, is they'll dump it off to McCaffrey and Samuel underneath and let them just run. Uh, we're going to talk to Sal Powell at 3 about that. He's with the Niners here. By the way, uh, the Andy Reid twin is here. The yes, guy, the impersonator we, we had last him, year. We did see uh, walking him. around. All right, when we come back, comedian Burt Kreischer is going to join us here. Don't miss this conversation because we could get news about Jason Kelsey from him. They were playing blackjack together in a Vegas blackjack parlor. That's all coming up in less than five minutes on the Sports Bash. It's Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. 
Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Live from Mandalay Bay on Radio Row in Las Vegas, home of Super Bowl 58, here's Mike Gill and Scott Grayson. Uh, Mike and Scott Grayson from Fox 29 here on Radio Row. Uh, our conversations this week on Radio Row, we got to thank... Ernest and Sons Old Fashioned Butcher Shop freaking team. They're the best, man. Uh, we know the big game's coming Sunday, and you're looking for that party at your house. And if you want to stand out from all the parties that you've done in the past or any party that anybody can go to, you need to get a tray from Mel and the team in Ernest and Sons. It's worth the drive to bring a team. They're the best. The big game party trays at Ernest and Sons Old Fashioned Butcher Shop in Brigantine. And our friends over at Clark's Dubin and Storage. You know, when I made my big move, I had to clear out all my stuff. And I didn't have to touch a thing. Clark's came in. They did the job. They got it from point A to point B. Safe. No scratches. They were awesome. Clark's Moving and Storage bringing you our conversations on Radio Row this week on the Sports Fast Live 97.3 ESPN. For those of you uh, who missed yesterday, Britton Covey, we're going to re-air that conversation coming up in about 15, 20 minutes from now. So stick around. We'll play the interview in its entirety so we can kind of, like, hear from him and hear kind of what he was saying. And uh, we hope to, uh, you know, let him kind of explain and, and kind of talk about because, quite frankly, we're going to have football at four today. We'll talk about that with uh, Mosher Southhouse coming up as well at 3 o'clock. Uh, he is covering the Niners down here uh, in um, Henderson. No, no, no. The Chiefs are in Henderson. Uh, yeah, it's all it's all Vegas. Right, but no, the teams are like 40 minutes outside. Yeah. So they're further than Henderson, which is about 15 minutes, according to my man Q Myers, <laughs> um, whose show is going on uh, right next to us here. Um, so we've got uh, – we, we'll play that interview coming up in, in just a little bit. We'll also uh, be talking to Sal, Kevin Harlan, who's calling the game. You'll hear his call right here on 97.3 ESPN uh, of Super Bowl 58. Uh, we'll hear from Kevin Harlan uh, at 4.40 today, Kevin Harlan's going to join us here. We'll get a chance to kind of catch up with him. And He's always great. We talk to him just about every year, and he is he is always great, so don't miss that. Oh, I mean, it's one of the more recognizable voices that you will hear yeah. in terms of talking about this game. And uh, I, I think, you know, one of the things that gets lost in the sauce, we talked about this with Lisa Kearney yesterday, uh, or Wednesday, I think that was. One of the things that get lost in the sauce a little bit is that the game almost takes a takes a like a side seat. You know, it's like in the little car on the side of the motorcycle driving around with the clown, you know, <laughs> as the clown in there until the game actually gets here. Because, like, leading up to the game when you're here, it is so – the game feels so secondary, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. Because uh, we, have, we haven't even talked about the game that much, to be honest, uh, while we've been here because we've had so much Eagles stuff going on that we've been talking about and getting insight on from people. Um but yeah, it does. Uh, and it, but it is interesting and fun hearing from the guys. You know, somebody like Kevin Harlan, who's called so many Super Bowls, who's had fun doing it. He loves it. I mean, this is a guy who genuinely enjoys what he's doing. You hear that come through when he interviews with us um, and talks to us about it. We had Mike Golick on. You heard his joy about calling the game and how you know he always said he's like I would, I wouldn't be in the sidelines, but I'm on the sidelines for the Super Bowl. It's a blast, you know. Well, and he said he's in a different role this year. You know, uh, he was on the sideline. Now he's almost going to be like an analyst on the field. Yes. You know, they're kind of using him as an on-field analyst. Uh, so that's a different role 
uh, for this game that you can hear on 97.3 ESPN. We will tell you, Burt Kreischer is scheduled to join us. Now, the challenges of this sometimes is, you know, they're going from table to table to table, and to get from wherever he was to get to where he has to get to right now, there's a lot of traffic uh, jams on the way here. So we're hoping that he can still pop on with us. because. So one of the big stories down here is that Jason Kelsey's been here. And he has been on the blackjack table, and there's some video of him online winning this huge hand of blackjack, and he's, like, just going out of his gourd. And playing at the table with him is Kreischer. Yeah, we, yeah. yeah. This was one of the interviews we were looking for. Once that happened, we're like, oh, we got him booked. Uh, Going to be great to hear that story. And that's what we're hoping to do. Uh, but as, as as you described, I mean, uh, it's buzzing here again. I mean, there's a lot of traffic in between these tables and Radio Row and uh, getting these guys from one place to another is a challenge. Yeah, it's, it's uh, you know, I mean, I don't know what's going on over here. I mean, they got the slot machines. That's a first. The slot machines set up in the middle of the Radio Row room where basically all week there's been nobody there. Now, now all of a sudden... All sudden that thing is like filled right. and just packed with people, and you're like, "All right, are we uh, is there something that's going on here?" Like that's one of the things that always kind of happens too. Is like you hear this little buzz murmur, and then you see like a huge pile of people following or surrounding one person. Uh, that was like Emmett Smith today. As soon yeah. as Emmett walked in here, like the room just kind of spreads out and separates to see Emmett kind of you know make his grand appearance for his day here. You know, um, stuff like that. It is, and, and the larger the entourage, the bigger the thing. Correct, obviously. Like the Rock had quite a following. The Rock was was surrounded uh, by, like Billy said, he said like like six people were following him around. Which you know, what are you going to do? You you got the Rock. Uh, um, I said though, like that can't be enjoyable. Yeah, you have no privacy, no like, time when to you're yourself. At that level where you just can't walk, <laughs> you can't even just walk. Right, you have to have people. And and Billy said he's like. What are these guys going to do? The Rock's bigger than these guys who are supposedly, you know, protecting him. And it's a, it's not about protecting him. It's about keeping people like you and I from coming up to him to ask him questions about joining us at Table 31. You know, uh, that's what their job is. But you're right. They're all around him. They shadow him. They box him in, essentially, and, and uh, keep him from having to be bothered. And, and that's the same thing with Emmett. It's the same thing with, you know, Michael Irvin was walking around. Yeah, uh, so the Rock two. yesterday was doing... Um was doing um, McAfee show, so he was on there for about a. Now McAfee show is like uh, right to our left over there. The setup is pretty elaborate. Did you walk by the McAfee set? I did. He's got a basketball hoop with basketballs and golf. Yeah, he's got all. And you know what? His desk is a poker table, which I thought was quite uh, quite nice. With now you covered McAfee when he was in college. I did. He was he was a ham back then. I got to tell you, he was a. Uh, he was a jokester, um, and that's why, you know, when we went to the Fiesta Bowl the one year, I gave him the mic at Media Day and just said, you know, why don't you do this? That's kind of when the Pat McAfee show was born. So you believe that you were I the, believe I created him, you, or I, I gave him his first uh, break. Interesting. I, I didn't know I that. doubt he would agree, but I did say hi to him yesterday. Now, was he the kicker that had the rough night against Pitt? Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes, he did. But it was a brutally cold night, and frankly, he should have never had to because the offense should have been scoring touchdowns. But uh, that's another story. So in college, he was the punter and the kicker. Punter, well, he started out as the field goal kicker, place kicker. Um, and then I think his second or third year, he took on punting because he went into that rugby style of punting, and he was booming the ball. 
Um, and they they were like, oh, yeah, yeah, we should have this guy punt, too. And that's how he got his into the NFL. He wanted to kick in the NFL. I remember talking to him. He wanted to be a field goal kicker in the NFL, but he got taken by the Colts, was a punter, because they had some guy named Adam Vinatieri kicking. And uh, you weren't going to unseat Adam Vinatieri. Right. Not going to happen. So, well, that's the story of, of Pat McAfee. But uh, another W, a fine WVU guy uh, who was kind of... Uh, kind of made it all right sports bass live 97.3 espn uh see so this is like the tricky part here now all right so i'm trying to like see uh all right we'll take a quick timeout we'll be back i gotta take a timeout josh so uh bring me to break here and we'll come back on the other side it's the sports for the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time there's granger Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Live from Mandalay Bay on Radio Row in Las Vegas, home of Super Bowl 58. Here's Mike Gill and Scott Grayson. Right, we'll have Britton Covey on here in just a second uh, as we get ready for this 5 o'clock hour. It's been a whirlwind of the day. Welcome. Hold on one sec. Try that again. Uh, how about that one? Yeah, there, there we go. go. All right. Yeah. Live radio. Exactly. It's pretty chaotic. I was going to say, your initial reaction. Now, last year, you were, didn't have to deal with any of this. You guys were here. Right. Well, still, though, that there was it was more like a performance than a game almost. There was so much more media than I was any of us were used to, really. In the preparation for yeah. the week. Mm-hmm. So every day you guys kind of had it your availabilities and stuff right and, and they were completely different from what you're doing yes this. yes and they were they were from like every country too i would get and then once they heard i spoke spanish i had to do 50 spanish interviews <laughs> so, last year so on that note are you going to be like the tour guide in brazil next year <laughs> yeah, well that's portuguese oh that's so, right that's right but i'll i'll be able to understand it gonna get your yeah. rosetta stone and start working on exactly. that exactly <laughs> Uh, so, Brent Covey's with us here for the Philadelphia Eagles. And, and as you mentioned, you guys were here last year, yep. uh, not this year. Everybody keeps asking the question. We had Fletcher on earlier uh, and kind of – he actually said it saddens him to think about, like, what happened. I know. Like, so if I was to say now a month has kind of passed and you were 10-1 and one, and now you're talking to us schmucks, <laughs> what would be in Ooh. your mind the, 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 the most profound reason – of it yeah. all just kind of falling down to where it did. Mm-hmm. I I would say you have to separate it into offense and defense first mm-hmm. because as a general team, I feel like it wasn't you couldn't pinpoint a reason. Defense, I really do think the coordinator change was was really tough on the guys. Just talking to the guys in the locker room, different scheme completely, you know, and, and things like that. That's tough, and and I think it's. It's a learning experience. When everything's going well, it doesn't just, you know, solve problems. It kind of masks problems at times, right? And you got to learn how to not let that happen. I actually think Coach Sirianni does a really good job of that in wins, being like, hey, yeah, we won, but look at this. This is what we got to fix. Mm-hmm. So that's an interesting uh, place to go, right? Yeah, yeah. Because everybody, you know, fans always overreact. Oh, totally. It's, and, it's and the so, nature of... Right. So yeah. after all that happened in the second half of the season, there were people who didn't want to... But almost every single player, like yourself, you just yeah. said, 
has Nick's back, wants, you know, yes. and so is what is he doing? Take us behind okay. the scenes. Yeah. What does he do in meeting rooms? What does he do that you guys love so much? Right. Well, here's the thing. I, I don't know what – I know that he gets asked certain questions, and it's it's hard to really tell, you know, what exactly your role is. I saw that question that was asked him, like, what's your role as a head coach? It's like, are you serious? What's his role as a head coach? <laughs> like, he does everything. You know, he's involved in every little thing. You have to be a great communicator, which he is. He's a great, that That's honestly one of his strong suits. He's a great communicator. People talk about – it's funny. Like, when we're winning, how emotional he is is a good thing. When we're losing, he's too emotional. No, he's authentic to him, which I really like. That's the same reason why I think Jalen's a great leader. Yes, he is a little more quiet, but he's authentic to him. Mm-hmm. I've had players and quarterbacks who try and be something they're not, and it just rings hollow, right? I've had coaches like that too. Nick's a great delegator. He really is a good delegator. He's really smart offensively. Like, he's an unbelievable receivers coach, actually, because that's what he started as. He, yeah. he is very detailed as a receivers coach. I've always thought this because I'm similar to this. When you can't rely as a player on just your body, you are very detailed and very good at stuff like that. That's kind of how I've been in my career. I don't have A.J. Brown's body type. <laughs> you know what I mean? A.J. can go out there and run kind of a wrong route and still get the ball because of, you know, just his physical abilities. I, I Sirianni was like that as a player too, right? And so he was very meticulous and detailed, and that's kind of carried over as a coach. He he doesn't let things slide. Now, you were talking about on the defensive side that the yeah, yeah. coordinator thing definitely could have been yeah. a factor. That, that, that seems obvious. Now, the offense is interesting because obviously mm-hmm. Kellen's here now. But we were talking about before Kellen got hired. If you said to any coordinator in football, hey, here's your roster, would you like this job? Everyone would say, yeah. So why do you feel or do you feel that the offense never felt fluid? Yes, I do. I do. And, and I love Brian Johnson. I mean, he went to Utah. He was my, my <laughs> alma mater, right? And, and I don't think it's, it's fair to pin he all. He was great there, by the way. Oh, yeah. yeah. On the cover of the NCAA football game. Yeah. I don't think it's fair to pin all the blame on him. You know, you pin it just as much on a lot of us. And, sorry, I see TJ Edwards back there. <laughs> hey. <laughs> Remember TJ? Yeah, man. Um, he would have helped. He would have helped. Oh, gosh, yeah, he would have yeah. helped, I'll tell you. But uh, it's, so we were talking about the offense, sorry. It's tough to pinpoint, but I'll tell you, one thing that is really difficult as a coordinator is to manage having weapons and to know. The 49ers do a really good job of it, for example, because if you were to compare just offensive weapons, you could put the 49ers next to the Eagles and say, pick pick which one. And you'd The pro- week of that game, Britton, I was saying, okay, they've got um, Debo and Ayuk, and, and you've got, got Brown and Smith. Smith. It's just which flavor do you like a little bit better? Your mm-hmm. offensive line, probably better than uh, their uh, offensive uh, line. Yep. They've got McCaffrey, who's a different weapon, but Swift is a very, right. I mean, it's not Kittle, like. Goddard. Kittle Goddard. And I said, so why exactly. is their offense so fluid and dynamic in this one? And, and honestly, it is learning how to manage all of those different talents. It's a lot harder than it looks. People think it's so easy because one game we throw it to AJ or six-game stretch and he has 125-plus <laughs> yards. Right. It's like, let's just keep doing that. And then teams start keying on it. And it's like, why aren't we just running the ball with Swift? We've got Swift. It's a lot harder than it looks. And I think that sometimes learning how to manage not just that but also who wants the ball, <laughs> you know, that's going to be difficult. And this year I'm excited because Kellen uses a lot of motion. I definitely think we could have used a lot more motion last year. Um, 
because teams play unique defenses against did us. Did you use less motion this year than you did the year no, before? No, we didn't. But teams didn't know us the year before. Okay. Teams but that's adjust. a good explanation because some people would say, well, they're near the bottom of the well, league exactly. in motion. But so were they the year before and you got to the Super Bowl. This whole thing to me is about learning how to adjust without overreacting. Mm-hmm. You adjust and you change things without drastic changes that are really going to mess up everything. That's what you have to do when you lose. And that's the thing is, honestly, our offense last year was not much different, if at all, than the year before. Same but, terminology? Same terminology, same plays, same play designs. But teams played us differently because they had a whole year to scout it. They, they knew all these things. They saying, okay, we're going to make – this person beat us rather than A.J. Brown. Now, this is How amazing about, insight, Bob. Well, yeah. Sure, and you mentioned, uh, you referenced Kellen Moore before. Just out of curiosity, um, I know I, you said you're excited to, to, to yeah, see yeah. his offense and, and put it into into use. Have you guys communicated at all with him yet or heard from him yet? And uh-huh. uh, how is that, you know, already starting yeah. to form? I don't know if other people have. I have. I, I've gotten a call from him, which is really cool. I think it, it means a lot. And um, I... For me, obviously, he uses the slot a lot, yeah. which is really cool. And I don't know what my role will be. You know, I, d- I don't want to speculate on anything. And I just take my role and I own it and I try and grow it. That's all you if, – if everyone on the team acts like that, you're going to have a great team. Well, you're, and right? you talk about your role. I mean, yeah. look at what you did. Uh, I mean, it's – the success you guys had early in the year was – Due in part to what you were doing, returning the ball on punts. Yeah. How much are you dedicating your time um, to obviously even trying to get better at that? Right. I mean, I watch, honestly, last year I didn't want to step on any toes because I'm a rookie, right? This year I took a lot more active approach. Every game before I get about three film clips per person on my punt return unit, and I show them in the locker room. I say, hey, look, this is what your guy's doing this week. These are his tendencies when he has his back foot backs here he's trying to release outside when he has his back foot up here he's trying to release this side and i really feel like we all kind of bought into that and obviously you saw results and even even more than just the return yards once you have a few good returns teams stop punting to you the same way so like (laughs) i had more fair catches at the end of the season because teams will punt it shorter and i count those yards in my mind that are hidden that right you know you're lined up 50 yards waiting and exactly. instead you have to cut six to 40, seven yards rather right. than them punting at 60 yards yeah. and so um anyways this there was a lot of things last year that went wrong but i think it's learning how to change after losses um Brittany covey is our guest here and and uh we like you you're i've been very candid which is unbelievable like to hear the terminology never changed so at towards the end when the team just was struggling so yeah. much, and people were saying, well, what's up with the blitz pickup or the short hot route? Yeah. Like, were you guys wondering, like, was it play design, play call, or just breakdowns that, that was such a yeah. seemingly an issue? Mm-hmm. Um, that's a tough question because, like you said, it's not like we went out there without hot routes and without blitz checks. Right. And it like almost that. sounds preposterous it, no, to we, think no, that that's the case. Yeah, if people think that, like, we did, um, but I almost think you can get so focused on it that you overcomplicate something, right? Um, I'm. What's hard about this is I can analyze, but it, it's so much more difficult to fix than people know. I, I'm not a coordinator. That's why I will sing so much like I advocate for Coach Sirianni. That's the same thing that I did with Coach Clay last year. A lot of people didn't want Coach Clay back, and I'm and I'm just like people don't understand. Like, 
that, Coach Klett, you have to give people some time. You can't make drastic changes in every department. Um, you need to make some changes for sure, and we did this year, mm-hmm. right? Um, but sometimes the big flashy change isn't always the best. I did, and I think people were excited for Brian and excited yeah. about Brian yeah. and thought, but the fact that he didn't really, like that's not his offense. No, it's not. Oh, it's Coach Sirianni's offense. Right, and, and somebody said before, like, hey, it's like going to a restaurant and ordering off of someone else's menu right. when you're the cook and say, yeah. here, and, and, and I'll cook his meal for you. Uh, and, and that's why I can't, it, it is difficult. But, but do you feel fun- like after Shane that maybe having someone a little that had more experience may have been better? I do, um, simply for the fact that, um, yeah, think about this. We ran the same offense in our Super Bowl year. So Nick Sirianni's offense was, it's not, that wasn't the problem. The problem was adjusting to yeah. how teams played us. All right, uh, Britton Covey's with us. And, uh, all right, I'm going to try to pronounce this. Omorpho. Omorpho, yes. Omorpho. Yeah. Uh, tell us about that because this thing here uh, is pretty heavy duty. Yeah, it's pretty heavy du- and heavy if you want to feel it. Yeah. So, oh, yeah. This is a weighted vest. So oh. This is a company I've been with for oh, a few wow. years. Oh, wow. This is awesome. This great? Is high quality. Holy <laughs> man. Yeah, right? So, so this is a company where it basically takes, see all those mini weights along that vest? Yeah. And it microloads your muscles. So they've got vests, they've got shirts, shorts, pants, and you wear it while you train. And it's the best thing because rather than just lifting in the weight room and hoping it translates to the field, you can wear this while you – you could literally wear this during – like a couple of my teammates wore stuff like this during practice. Like Darius Slay was wearing this during practice one one week because it helps you work the exact muscles that you'll be using. Wow. Really cool, especially for a guy like me who's a little smaller. Like it's it helps with – I haven't missed a game in my career, and I credit a lot of it to... You're not the biggest guy either. Exactly. I credit <laughs> a lot of it to this building the actual muscles that I need, rather yeah. than just like, oh, bench, whatever. I got one quick one for you. Yeah. Because there was a little bit of controversy that stirred up that you that you replied to on social media. Right. And while we have you, I wanted your words, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. All about the whole Jalen Hurts thing, which was totally taken out of context, oh, correct? Yeah. Kind of talk about that. And just yeah. what you... And clear it up. Well, it can, I don't want to throw anyone under the bus here, even, I think... You know, all this talk about Philly media and it, like, I don't want, that's not my goal, but right. it, it, it is frustrating when your words get taken out of context. I have people ask me questions that lead me somewhere and then they don't include the question in the article or Correct. whatever, you know, it's tough to navigate. Um, and what's funny is if anyone actually reads the real quotes of that, it's my glowing endorsement for what a great leader Jalen is. And because he's so authentic, you know. And that's what's frustrating. And Jalen, like I said, when we were winning, Jalen's attitude was the reason. And then when we were losing, Jalen's attitude was, you know, it's like it doesn't make any sense. And so Jalen has the support of literally everyone in the locker room. There's not a single person. If you were to ask anyone, like, (laughs) we would all laugh because Uh it's just preposterous. Jalen Hurts is so respected in the locker room and across the whole league. And he's a great friend. Like, Jalen, literally, I love sitting by Jalen on the flights because I laugh the whole time. Like, what does he do? He's just, he loves to be in conversation about random things. I don't know. He just, <laughs> he, he's just a really good friend. Like, Cool. Well, uh, this has been awesome. Uh, we yeah. appreciate it. And uh, we wish you luck next season. And, of course, the Eagle fans, you know, they're a little intense sometimes. Yeah. But they're well, always pulling cool for you guys. Try not to put you. any quotes <laughs> online that, that are very 
flashy and make people hate me. You know? so. We hope to see you not here doing this in New Orleans next year, but I agree. up in those uh, mandatory interviews. Yes. All right. Thanks, guys. It's the Sports Bash, live from Mandalay Bay on Radio Row in Las Vegas, home of Super Bowl 58. Here's Mike Gill and Scott Grayson. This year I'm excited because Kellen uses a lot of motion. I definitely think we could have used a lot more motion last year because teams play unique defenses against Did us. Did you use less motion this year than you did the year no, before? No, we didn't, but teams didn't know us the year before. Oh. Uh, that was Britton Covey yesterday right here on the Sports Bash talking about how he thinks the offense could improve. Kellen Moore, more motion. One guy who's been all over this town. The motion is apparent. The hustle from Sal Palantonio, ESPN's intrepid reporter who is live at the 49ers Hotel from the matchup show who will have all the dirt and details on Super Bowl 58. They're going to map out all the plays, and he joins us now right here for a Sal Pal Friday on 97.3 ESPN. Sal, what's up, my friend? Oh, Michael, I wish I could come to Mandalay Bay and uh, join you on Radio Row. That is a spectacular setup. I was there earlier in the week, but as you've seen me on SportsCenter and NFL Live, I have been embedded with the Niners at their team hotel. Anybody who wants to see anything should go on my Instagram, SalPal ESPN. I've got all the latest interviews and news coming from Super Bowl 58, but I really appreciate you having me on the show. Absolutely. I wouldn't miss it for the world. Well, I mean, I don't know if you were able to hear that bite from Britton coming in, but a very candid conversation with him on our show yesterday in which he basically said he was excited for the offense. I know he doesn't have a huge role in the offense, but he did comment that they felt that their offense didn't really evolve and that teams kind of watched them and studied them and that they didn't make enough adjustments. Yeah. You know what that is? That's called static. Static offense. No creativity, no formation variation, very little motion. Uh, and by the way, Mike Gill, if you were listening to the Sports Bash, the Mike Gill program on 97.3 on ESPN Atlantic City, you would have heard me and you talk about that very thing ad nauseum for weeks. So I'm glad that you had that conversation with Britton Covey. I'm glad that he owned up to it, and I did hear it, and it was very, very good, a good interview. And now it's starting to come out publicly from some of these players about how bad that offense was. But we all saw it on film. You and I talked about it. It's been on the NFL matchup show with Greg Cosell and Darius Butler, just exactly how bad the offense has been. And teams were just blitzing the offense on passing downs and rundowns. We saw it. Wink Martindale, last game of the season. New York Giants. Then they go to Tampa. Todd Bowles blitzed Jalen Hurts right off the bus because it's a static offense. And he had one read. And once he didn't get that read right, he would evacuate and they had him bottled up. So you take a, you take a safety and a sack from the 13 yard line in a wild card game. That's the canary in the coal mine. That tells you they got a real problem on offense, a real problem. Yeah, Sal, one of the things he mentioned, because I, I asked him, I said, well, what, like, 
how similar was the offense? The terminology didn't change. The names of the plays did not change. He said it was the same offense from one year to the next. Just teams figured us out. And that's concerning to hear. And But it sounds as if that's why Kellen Moore had to be here. Because they needed okay. some different type of ideas into this offense. Okay, so who's that an indictment of? I would imagine... It, it can't be an indictment of your first-year offensive coordinator, Brian Johnson, first time he's calling plays. It can't be. So I'm going to ask you the question again. Who's that an indictment of? The right, head sounds, coach. Right, it's Nick. Right. Well, and I, well, another thing I thought was interesting is Britton, actually, I asked him, do you think it would have been more beneficial if the team would have hired a more veteran play caller last year and he thought that maybe brian who was very smart very good but it was not his offense that it might have been more beneficial to have someone with more experience well i mean nick said in the middle of the year that it was his offense did he not he got up oh, right yeah. on the podium at Novacare and said it was his offense yeah so i mean i don't know who's zooming who here but everybody <laughs> everybody who saw the offense saw a it was static b it didn't evolve and it didn't react to the changes that were being thrown at them by defenses. It was the same offense, and teams changed, figured it out, and attacked it. So, you know, while we want to complain about Jalen Hurts, and then there were instances where you could. Overall, and I'm sorry, it's very, very loud at this team hotel. There's a lot of activity. I apologize. You know, the fans are streaming in. Family and friends are coming in today, so it's wild here, Mike. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We're, we're oh, yeah, seeing yeah, the, yeah, yeah. the influx yeah, of people wild. here. There's um, supposed to get 600,000 people in Las Vegas in the next 24 hours. It's insane. Unbelievable. But, yeah, but, Michael, so, but anyways, not, not to belabor the point, it's not, uh, I'm glad that it's starting to come out, and that was a great interview with Britton Covey, but. The buck stops at the head coach, and now they've taken away everything from Nick Sirianni. He's not running the defense. Fangio is. He's not running the offense. Kellen Moore is. So, you know, he's got to be put into a position where he's inspirational. He's managing the team correctly. He will be the spokesman of the team every day. But until we hear from the coordinators, what are we really getting from Nick Sirianni at this point? I don't know. Uh, Sal Pals with the Niners. By the way, the matchup show for Super Bowl 58, Saturday morning, 8.30, Sunday at 6 a.m., and Sunday again at 7.30, all on ESPN2. You can check out the matchup show. Uh, the Niners are here. The Eagles are not. So the Niners representing the NFC. Uh, and this is going to be I, – I find this to be interesting – that you know Kyle Shanahan's role because we know the last time he was here the narrative of what happened in Atlanta for him uh how much yes. pressure is on him and his offense for the Niners to win this game and you know Michael you're the only one who's asked that question and I just taped something for Sports Center tomorrow morning and here's what I said there is nobody under more pressure in this game than Kyle Shanahan to get it done you know he lost the lead against the Patriots when he was the OC of the Falcons. He lost the lead four years ago when he was the head coach of the Niners against the Chiefs. 20 to 10, fourth quarter, six minutes to go, lost the lead. Uh, so nobody, in my view, is under pressure, more pressure than Kyle Shanahan. I have a one-on-one -on -one with Kyle Shanahan that is running tomorrow morning 
and Sunday morning on SportsCenter, and it's very interesting. But I, here's I, what, I, I, Mike, you have to go back to the NFC Championship game in Philadelphia. They failed to protect Brock Purdy. If he fails to protect Brock Purdy in the Super Bowl, Mike, I'm just going to say it. It's a fireable offense, is it not? Uh, I think in the hyperbole of the world that we live in, sure. If you go back to the same situation oh, and your guys get... Hold on a second. Hold on a second. It's not hyperbole. I don't think it is. If Brock Purdy is not protected and gets knocked out of the game like he did against Philadelphia, tell me that's not a fireable offense. Oh, listen, in the world that we live in, absolutely, yes. I'm just saying I can't envision any scenario where Kyle Shanahan uh, would be determinated regardless of the outcome of this game, correct? No, I'm, I'm saying maybe not, but why wouldn't it be? Well, listen, Purdy is an interesting character in this game as well. Like, are you watching? Like, we just talked about Shanahan, and I agree with you. I think the pressure is on Shanahan. I mean, what if they're up yeah. in this game? Does he get PTSD of, you know, that moment? Uh, but Purdy is another guy. I mean, what an unbelievable story that he is even in this game and everything. But here he is in this game. What's his role to you in how, what he needs to do for the Niners? Well, he's going to be blitzed. You know, Steve Spagnuolo blitzed Jimmy Garoppolo four years ago in Super Bowl 54. 53% of the time, that was his highest blitz percentage as a defensive coordinator, even when he was with the Giants. He is going to try to heat up, speed up the decision-making of Brock Purdy. And Brock Purdy's got to make sure he doesn't turn the football over, either through a strip sack or an errant pass that is intercepted. Protecting the ball is number one. Absolutely. You know, but, Mike, I'm going to flip the script on you. I'm not concerned that much. If they protect Brock Purdy or Brock Purdy just does his job, I'm not that concerned with the Niners' offense. I'm very concerned with the Niners' defense. When you see that they have vulnerabilities on the edges against the run, teams average nine, Mike, team, I'm going to repeat this, teams average nine yards a carry outside the box on the edges against the Niners' defense this year. Nine. Mr. Isaiah Pacheco from Weimar, New Jersey, from South Jersey, <laughs> went to Rutgers. Isaiah Pacheco is huge in this game for Patrick Mahomes the second. And, by the way, the San Francisco 49ers allowed Sam Laporta to run wild in the NFC Championship game. Now they got to face Travis Kelsey. Kelsey has been targeted 27 times in the postseason. This postseason and caught 23. 23 to 27. So I think the Niners' defense has got their hands full. I don't know how they're going to hold up. I am picking the Chiefs. I did on ESPN.com. I know it's uh, it's rough when you're covering a team to pick against them, huh. but I just I I just think I just think that Niners' defense is going to have all kinds of problems all day. I mean, Dang. the Ravens had the number one defense. Last in the AFC Championship game, and Mahomes put together a 16-play drive. Yeah, hard to bet. You, you covered it, a lot of it. The Patriots, Brady, and we're watching it reincarnated now with Mahomes and Andy. I mean, you can't pick against them. It'd be foolish to at this moment. Uh, and yeah, you hear all. And you know, Andy Reid was in the same position for years. That Kyle Shanahan is now. He couldn't get past Belichick. He couldn't get a Super Bowl title until he got Mahomes. And Kyle South. Shanahan, you know, lost to Reed, and now he's up against him again. 
I don't know, Mike. It's hard to pick against Reed and Mahomes in this situation. It, it, it just is. Sal Palantonio, I know you got a roll. He's with the Niners Hotel getting ready for ah. Super Bowl 58. And you can see all the coverage on the matchup show and, of course, across the ESPN platforms. Sal, oh, enjoy Mike, the game, man. Thanks for having me on the show. I really appreciate it all year long. I do. I appreciate the support from Johnny G, John Griner, the Griner team at Burger Realty in Ocean City. It's been a great year, and uh, we'll talk to you on the flip side, brother. All right, man. Sal Palantonio, and don't forget the matchup show Saturday morning, 8.30 in the East, Sunday, 6 a.m. in the East, Sunday again at 7.30 in the East, all on ESPN2. Mike Hill in the sports bass, Scott Grayson from Fox 29. He's actually kind of uh, taking a little bit of a walk around. Devontae Smith is uh, kind of over to our right there. Donovan McNabb actually was just kind of uh, standing in front of us. You know, uh, the one of the interesting parts of, about these uh, events is, you know, the people watching, the sights and the sound, but as Sal said, you are now getting an influx of people coming into the town uh, for this Friday. A lot of people flying in for this game, getting ready for the Super Bowl. Now, a couple of things that you talked about, Scott mentioned it. We haven't really got a chance a lot to talk about the game. But one of the interesting things that Sal brought up, I think, is the Kyle Shanahan thing. Yep. What if San Francisco is up in this game 20 to 4, uh, 20 to 7, 20 to 4? That. that uh, two safeties is what uh, Kansas City's defense got. Twenty to seven, third quarter. What kind of play calling and offense are we seeing from Shanahan? You know, he had Matt Ryan, he had Julio Jones. I mean, they had a high powered attack, and they got conservative in that game. Does he feel that Brock Purdy? Yeah, that he can trust Brock Purdy. Does he feel like he can? lean on Brock Purdy at times. Well, Who does he feel? This is the big question for me. You had Matt Ryan. He was an MVP. But also, Mike, remember the 49ers had a 20-10 to lead against the Chiefs a few years ago in the Super Bowl. And Kyle Shanahan's team blew that lead as well. And listen, it, he, you have... My question for, for in my mind is when they're sitting in the room and they're putting this game plan together, who does Kyle Shanahan say, this guy has to be the guy for us or, or we're not winning? It's got to be McCaffrey. It's got to be. This has got to be Christian McCaffrey. Um, Mike, so I, I'm very intrigued to see which role and how he utilizes Christian McCaffrey. Mike, I, I asked this question earlier this week when I had a former defensive coordinator, Paul Gunther, on my show. And I said, are, are the 49ers capable? Like, do they have the prerequisite tools to beat the Chiefs. And he said they do, but they got to stick to what they do best. Well, hold on. I think the, 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 the Niners, this to me feels a lot like last year's game in terms of, I thought the Eagles were the better team. The better roster. The better roster. I thought they had the better 53. And then and they had Mahomes. Like, they had Andy Reid and they had Mahomes. I think San Francisco has the better team. They have the better roster. But... Kansas City has Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes, and I think Kansas City's defense is far superior than the defense they had in the game last year. I mean, That's quite true. frankly, Jalen Hurts was the best player on the field last year in this game. So that's a big difference. Can Brock Purdy crack this defense enough that he can have a role in why they win? Because I don't think they can win the game 
just because of Christian McCaffrey. Mike, do you buy into the stats that's been floating around that Kyle Shanahan had not won games at all when he was losing heading into the fourth quarter, but Brock Purdy won two straight games when that team was losing? Do you buy into any of that? Um, no. I mean, they had a lot of uh, injury situations. Look, Purdy is not an elite, elite player. I mean, I think we all understand that. But what Purdy is, is he knows his role. And he knows what, and they know how to use him in the role. They but, know so, so you, so you don't look at Brock Purdy and say that it's, this guy might have something different in his DNA because he led this team two straight postseason games in return, a game winning returning, you know, second half drives. Look, I think the, I think the Niners and Kyle Shanahan know how much they can get from Purdy. They don't want. I don't think the, the problem is they don't want to ask him to do too much. But are they going to have to? Like, are they going to have to max him out? But so, didn't they have to the last two postseason games? Uh, and he came up big in some of those. But I don't think he can not play well half the game and then expect to win the game in this That's game. That's different. Yeah, in this in this situation. Gotcha. So, all right, Sports Pass Live, 97.3 ESPN, the 97.3 ESPN free mobile app. Uh, when we come back, we're going to talk to former NFL running back Bilal Powell. We're going to kind of talk about the evolution of the running back in the NFL. I think it's going to be a fascinating conversation. Uh, listening to a guy who played in the league and uh, played a position that, what is the running back position in the NFL? Is it undervalued? Is it overvalued? You know, when you were growing up, most of the people listening, right, you wanted to be a running back and a linebacker. Those are two positions that are so different from what they were not too long ago. So we'll talk a little about the role of the running back, what he thinks Christian McCaffrey's role, what does he think of Isaiah Pacheco's role. We'll hear from running back, former Jet, Bilal Powell. Very good conversation coming up on the other side here on the Sports Bash Live on 97.3 ESPN. It's the Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. From Mandalay Bay on Radio Row in Las Vegas, home of Super Bowl 58, here's Mike Gill and Scott Grayson. All right, hanging out at Radio Row's Mandalay Bay. We want to thank our sponsors. Of course, the great Ernest and Sons Old Fashioned Butcher Shop in Brigantine. We've got you uh, the big game party trays. And Clark's moving in storage. They move me, they can move you. Uh, we're going to have a good conversation. Bilal Powell, former Jets running back. Just love the uh, running back position conversation. And uh, he's going to join us here on the Sports Badge Live, 97.3 ESPN. Now, the last time we had Bilal on, the Eagles were playing the Jets. The Eagles lost to the Jets. Uh, it was an awful game. And people looked at that game not, as... Not from his perspective. Well, I mean... <laughs> People looked at that game as kind of an aberration for the Eagles. Like, that, ah, they lost a the game. You're going to lose a game. They had not been playing all that well. Bilal, we talked that week about that game, and I'm wondering, like, if you watched that game and said, something's up with this Philadelphia team. Like, they don't – something lost. But they did go on to win. They lost to the Jets, but then they went on to beat Kansas City and Buffalo and still kept winning games. But did you see anything from them 
in the game against the Jets that made you kind of start to say, I don't know that this team has it? Honestly, I wasn't convinced that the Philadelphia Eagles were the same Philadelphia Eagles team from last year when I saw them play against New York and throughout the year. Even when they went on that game, that, that win streak, they still didn't look like the Philadelphia Eagles. I think they were struggling. Uh, there, just no rhythm on offense. I mean, the defense was struggling. And I think it was kind of at that point in New York where I was like, I don't know if they'll shake back and, and, and make a run like they did last year. Did they did they get to be predictable? I mean, we, we, we heard from uh, uh, Eagle punt returner and wide receiver Britton Covey uh, yesterday saying that the they didn't really change anything from last year when they went to the Super Bowl to this year. Um, a lot of it was the same offensively. Defensively, I know, you know, we heard from other players that said you kind of knew what was coming. When you saw the Eagles, did you see predictable things pre-snap that you, you said, oh, I know what's coming? Absolutely. And, and that's the thing about an offensive coordinator. You have to continue to get creative each year because once a team understands your tendencies, it's hard to win in this national, in this league. And we could talk about the Jets not being a good football team, but they have a very good defense. And I think they exposed the Philadelphia Eagles there when they played. But they did have some some tendencies, and everybody has their tendencies. And it's all about how can you create different tendencies that keeps defenses or opponents on their heels. Because, by the way, nine-year NFL veteran Bilal Powell is with us. One of the things is, like, you look at the Eagles on paper, A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith, Dallas Goddard, Swift, you got Hurts, that offensive line is outstanding. You're thinking, who do we – who do we game plan for? So is it confounding to say, look at the talent on the team. How did this the offense struggle with what they had to play with? Honestly, it's just you get guys who want the ball. We're talking about a locker room situation where you get quarterbacks forcing it to receivers. Well, when you force it to receivers, you're not going through your read progression. It's causing guys to hold on to the football, sacks, guys to create turnovers, guys to – throw the ball away, hold on to the ball, take off, run it. There are so many different things that happens, maybe incentives. It's, it's so many things that go on behind the scenes right. that I don't think people realize that goes on when, when you're talking about a football team. So one of the things I was very intrigued to kind of pick your brain off, by, by the way, so Bilal Powell's with us. So for those of you, how often does your run at Louisville against Cincinnati get brought up to? <laughs> that 85-yard run where you're just like pinballing your way through people like – you were on our show the last time, and people were texting, like, I remember that guy's run. It was like a Thursday night football game or something. Oh, yeah. Does that get brought up to you a lot? That, that, that was when uh, Tom Jurge was the AD, and he was he was scheduling uh, Monday night games in college. He was he was smart at what he was doing because no one else was watching football. But, you know, but, uh, yeah, that run. Especially in Louisville. A yeah. lot of people always talk about that one run. But yeah, people out there listen, just Google Bilal Powell Louisville. Yeah. And that run is going to pop up. Is up it's right up yeah. there, man. It is. I epic. had my eyes closed on that run, though. <laughs> listen, I thought I was down and then I looked up. I'm like, oh, I'm did still you running. watch Did you watch the Barry Sanders documentary? No, I didn't. I didn't. It's on uh, Amazon Prime. Okay. So your run is like a Barry Sanders run. You're like using your back to like contort off of people spinning around yeah. and like guys are coming in. It, it was an unbelievable yeah. run yeah i listen and and that guy was running for his life his entire career man if, i think if you put him behind that dallas cowboys line that oh. him and had you're talking about a different uh legendary uh barry sanders there so talk a little bit i don't know what's going on right here but we're oh, yeah. getting like a, a whole oh, yeah. mob of people oh. um oh. talk a little bit about in your mind like we were just talking about before you came on 
when you were growing up, it used to be, I want to be a running back or a linebacker. Like, they were the glamour positions. Mm-hmm. Is the is the running back, we know the whole, like, monetary is undervalued. But do teams, are they not utilizing the running back enough? The game has evolved to 60-40 pass run. When I came in, it was 60-40 run pass. It's hard to find a running back that you have, you know, you can't take off the field. A three-down back, it's hard to find that. Teams are now. It's all about a group of backs, guys doing different things. Where, you know, I remember when guys were rushing for sixteen hundred yards. Now the leading rusher is rushing for thirteen hundred, fourteen hundred yards. It's totally. It's a, just a different era. I told my son, my son wanted to play running back, and I said, you sure about that? <laughs> I actually moved his position to receiver. I said, one, I don't. I think the, the value of the running back is undervalued. And, dude, you're not going to get used if you're talking about going to the NFL at that time. So it's definitely a, a position that is undervalued and I think underrated because we do so much. I, I, well, I remember the, when Le'Veon Bell was fighting yeah. to get paid to be kind of both because he was catching so many passes. Catching, yeah, it, exactly. He was catching. Well, he was kind of in the right. He was, but when you touch the ball, there's high risk of injury, and that is the gamble when you're talking about trying to extend the guy at the running back position. And then when you go out and you you create a market for guys like Christian, who was making what 16 a year. But we saw him get beat up and the injuries. Then that almost that, that almost resets the value at the running back market. You know, when you see Derrick Henry, who did what he did, get paid $10 million when I think he deserved more, rushing for 2000 We all know who was getting the ball in Nashville. Right. <laughs> and he still found a way to rush for 2,000 yards. Well, like, if you're um, Saquon right now, I mean, mm-hmm. you know you're – one of the best, most talented, but I wouldn't want to be a free agent. No, he, he's not. It's, it's unfortunate, you know, guys like, you know, Saquon Barkley, guys like Dalvin Cook, guys like Jonathan. Like, those guys deserve to get paid. When you look at what running backs are doing, their value is almost 40% of the yards uh, for offense. For a team. For a team. Almost 40%. So you got to pay a guy for that. But I think the biggest risk is just they think that they can find running backs that are a dime a dozen. Well, yeah, you can, but you can't find a dime a dozen Saquon Barkley's or Christian McCaffrey's or, you know, so pay the guys that need to be paid and respect that, that position. You talked about, uh, you know, the, the injuries and that, the use of that. I'm curious, this guy who played there, I mean, we always hear about the MetLife turf. Is that real? Is there, is, is it, you know... It, is there is there an issue there? Listen, I never <laughs> had an issue with the turf. You stayed healthy. I stayed healthy. It's from a AC, uh, you know, ACL and all. That. Listen, Kirk Cousins had an Achilles on grass. Yeah, yeah. It, it, the same injury as Aaron Rodgers on turf in MetLife. Like, I don't, I don't think, I don't think it's a big difference in the turf and grass situation. Like, I played on. I don't know what it's like now, but when I played on MetLife, yeah. it was okay. It was fine. What um, do you anticipate next season for the Jets, like training camp? Is this going to be a circus? Has the year of him just sitting there allowed them to kind of now understand? Do you anticipate that he comes back and is the Aaron Rodgers we knew? Yeah, I think I think he comes back. And I think he's going to bring some big name with him along with him. 
that's going to help him on the offensive side of the ball. I think now he's he, a big name tackle or yeah. guard or yeah. center. <laughs> so, yeah, all right, the entire all of the above. <laughs> yeah. But I think he's going to bring someone that's going to help him. I think he had his chance to go in and kind of evaluate the team and see how, and he's probably still, he had time to sit back and think about what we need, and I'm sure he's game-planning on who he needs to bring in. Were you surprised? I mean, in Philly, some people thought Sirianni was going to get fired, and this team went to the playoffs. Were you surprised that Salah's name never – it didn't even seem like it ever was a thought that he would be gone. I think it was a thought, and then – Well, you're up there. Yeah, I think I think it was a thought. I'm not up there, but I think it was a <laughs> thought. It, I think he kind of felt that pressure because – Were you surprised he, they, that he was brought back? <sighs> I, I, I am. Okay. I am. Because, and the only reason I say, say that is because the Jets still had a chance early on in the season to make a run. When they were sitting at four and three, that ASL conference had them in the middle of the pack where if they ran off a few games, they were now in the playoff contingent. Uh, well, and you mentioned the defense was so good. Yeah. It was good. It's just it's a shame. I mean, I, I, you hate to pile on poor Zach Wilson, but at times he was, he's just, not a good quarterback. Just, you have to be honest. I, and that's a great, fair statement. I said, but you put him in that situation, and it just seemed like you could have got a Flacco or someone as a veteran because you just said it. That team was good enough on defense that they just had somebody competent. Mm-hmm. Is he? In, I want to say, is he incompetent? Well, I mean, he, he did play better. Yeah, he, you know what? You, you can't sit up and say, "Well, I felt bad for him." He's a professional athlete that they drafted very high. He's yes. the guy that everybody's been waiting on to turn the corner, and he hasn't turned the corner now. Could could the New York Jets have gone out and and gotten a, a Joe Flacco or someone that could help? Come back player of the year, they, by the way. Yeah, exactly, Joe Flacco. And and and, and they, you know the Browns went through four quarterbacks before they found yeah, Joe. Right, yeah. right. And here here in New York, they ran with that was. Then they brought in Tim Boyle. Like I didn't even know who Tim Boyle was. <laughs> right. There's a guy probably doing an interview so right now. They could have found. Could, yeah. I could have went out there and did what Tim did. But, you know, I just felt like, you know, it was it was just that time that the Jets needed that closure of Zach's just not the guy. He's just not the guy, and it's time to move on from him. I think I think he will be moved. Maybe they shop him around. I don't know what they do. But His value, unfortunately, is not going to bring back much. No, it's not. But I think you just go out and get you a No, but look at what San Francisco did with Purdy. They said, you're our guy. We know we gave up the farm to get Trey Lance, but we're moving on. Yeah, I mean, listen, and you sometimes have to do that. You, you have to do that. But I think that also, I always say, like, indirectly, uh, Blau Powell's our guest, by the way, former Jets running back. Um, the, 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 the Niners told us, what they think of Purdy. They said, we drafted this guy number two. We gave up three first-round picks to get him. Lance, yeah. And we're picking him over that guy. Lance never even got a shot to say, <laughs> let me compete with Purdy. They said, Purdy's better than you, and we're shipping you out for a seventh-round pick to prove it. Mm-hmm. That, to me, tells me that's why I buy into Purdy, because the Niners are telling me they buy into Purdy. I buy into Purdy. I like his game. Yeah. And and obviously, you know, when you hear what's going on about the is he a game manager or a game changer, I think he's a game changer. And, and, and the only reason he's not getting that respect is because we're in the era of guys being able to extend with their legs now. You, you know, you're Josh Allen's, you Jalen Hurts, you Lamar Jackson's, you Patrick Mahomes. He's not those guys. When you're talking about extending, he can run just level. enough. He can. He chooses not to because he he is consistent at what he is doing, based on who he is as a quarterback. So no better stage than this. 
right, for Purdy to go out. This is and, perfect and, for him. And you think he can make a name for himself in this I, game? Is, I, is that the way you see this unfold a little I, bit? I, I think so. If, if he wants to be in that conversation with the Lamars, the Joshes, the Pat, this is the perfect platform for him to do it right here. And, and it's, it's laid out right before him of which way he wants to take his career in this National Football League. That we saw last year, Jalen Hurts really capitalized on the Super Bowl. Had a great game. The Eagles obviously didn't win, but he went toe-for-toe with, with Patrick Mahomes. And if Purdy can do the same thing, sure, mm, yep. it could certainly help him. All right, so you, pe- you picking against Mahomes? No. <laughs> are, you that, are you that brash? <laughs> no, I'm not picking. Hey, listen, Patrick Mahomes is a winner. And he gave my respect last year when he did what he did on a high ankle sprain. He came out and win. He found a way to win on a high ankle sprain, an injury to anyone that doesn't know high ankle. I dealt with it. You was talking about four to six weeks, guys getting on short-term IR for a high ankle, and this guy played through not the postseason going on to win the Super Bowl with a high ankle sprain. Uh, Bilal Pal is uh, the host of In Flight Snack. It's a jet show. I know we have a lot of uh, – we reach that, like, Ocean Monmouth County areas up there, so we get some jet fans in our area. We have a lot of eagles as well, so it's good to catch up. But I think just a, a, an enlightening conversation on the, the state of the, the running back game and, and where – you know, by the way, DeAndre Swift is a free agent. I would imagine that the eagles are not going to pay him to come back. They'll probably say, we'll just go – draft somebody or find somebody uh, they'll go play that spot but swift would be a guy that you would think should get some 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 cashola uh, he, he will but i don't think it's going to be the market he wants and nope you know unfortunately, well, and, and then miles like miles sanders last year got a pretty decent deal from the panthers and did not have a good year yeah i mean but i, I just don't think that he's going to get the money he wants and uh, at this time you just have to go with the team that you think has the best chance of being a super bowl contender well, that's that's, that's going to allow him to stay safe. Yeah, <laughs> you well, know you don't want to go get beat up. See, if, uh, <laughs> we'll see how that all unfolds. Bilal Pal, everybody, uh, nine-year NFL veteran, again host of In Flight Snack. It's a jet show on the Believe Network. Uh, kind enough to join us here on uh, Radio Row Sports Bash. Thank you, buddy. Thank you. Good stuff, man. Yeah, I yeah. Great it. insight, Jim. All right, when we come back, by the way, that conversation with Bilal Powell was brought to you by our friends at Ernst & Sons Old Fashioned Butcher Shop in Brigantine. They got the big game party trays that you need for Super Bowl Sunday. And, of course, Clark's moving in storage. They moved me. They can move you, too. We'll be back with more Sports Bash on 97.3 ESPN. It's the sp- Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants. They all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Live from Mandalay Bay on Radio Row in Las Vegas, home of Super Bowl 58. Here's Mike Gill and Scott Grayson. All right, we're live on Radio Row, Sports Bash 97.3 ESPN. Mike and Scott, we continue on. Thanks to our friends at Ernest and Sons Old Fashioned Meat Market and Brigantine. And my guys over at Clark's Moving in Storage. They moved me. They can move you. Right now, he's part of the Westwood One Super Bowl broadcast, which you can hear exclusively here on 97.3 ESPN. Mike Golick will be on the sideline. Holy moly, back for the Super Bowl. Mike Golick, good to see you, buddy. You as well. Looking forward to it. I get to do kind of the, uh, the God rest his soul, Tony Saragusa analyst on the sideline. 
I'll be down there. Laura Oakman will be the real sideline pro. And then Kevin Harlan and uh, Kurt Warner up in the booth. So looking forward to it. All-star cast for yeah. the game. Yeah. Going third, all out this year. Third, I've never gone. I think this is my 26th or 27th Super Bowl. And I've never gone to the game until I started working them. Yeah. I never wanted to be around. I went home watching on the couch. But this is now my third year working it for Westwood One. So it's pretty cool. Well, one of the teams is back from last year. Right. What happened to the other one? Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> I mean. It was amazing to, to be 10 and 1 and still be talked about with, boy, they still really don't look like they got it going on. And then, man, you put the Desai up in the booth. You got Matt Patricia now calling plays. It just, it got ugly. I mean, now you're looking at a team that was in the Super Bowl, that was then 10 and 1, that fell off the cliff, that now next year will have their third O coordinator and third D coordinator in three years. I mean, Nick Sirianni, who I've gotten to know, is is got to know he's going to be squarely on the hot seat next year with that kind of, that drastic of a change from having a 10-point lead at halftime to where they are right well, now. Well, he was seemingly on the hot seat this year. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't buy that. I didn't think so. I did not buy into that at all. I didn't think he was. But now, again, like I said, I, I don't think people understand when you change coordinators and then you possibly change position coaches to go along with it just the changes you're making to players if you're going to run different systems now of what they have to learn it, it's it's not that easy at times uh mike Golick, westwood one super bowl broadcast is on 97.3 espn he'll be a part of that all-star team yeah we're looking at the eagles and what happened there and we'll look at the game and uh that's happening on sunday but you know you mentioned it 10 and 1 so do you look at a team now that is a non-playoff team rebuilding? Oh no, no, no! I think they're a playoff team for sure. I just think, I mean, how they fell apart. I mean, once you start, things start going wrong. You have to understand, players are human. You start; it starts to get get mental as well. Physically, you're getting beat on the field, but then mentally, you're like, wait a minute, we're better than this. Why is it not working? And then, and then you're you're expecting something to go wrong. It's a, it's a very, very horrible thing to go through. I've been through it. Anybody who's played long enough has been through it. So, but it's baffling. It, it started being baffling at 10 and 1 when, when, like I said, we looked at him at 10 and 1 and said, oh, there's, there's, uh, I don't know how much we're buying but in. Think about at it. They 10 were 10 and, and 1. 1. They beat. The Chiefs yes. and the Bills, yes. the two teams in exactly. the championship game in back-to-back weeks. I mean, you, if I was still playing on that team, you got to be sick. As a player, you got to be sick. As a fan, you got to be Fletcher sick. Fletcher Cox was here today and said he is still sad thinking about because he can't put his finger on no. what happened. You can't. I can't. And if they can't, nobody else can. Like a helpless as a player, though, right? Like, how unbelievably helpless. did we struggle? How did this I happen? I don't know. How did this happen? Now. You got injuries, right? Injuries in the back in the in the in the back seven. That certainly doesn't help. I mean, so thin at at times at the linebacker position. Teams are going to pick on the middle of the field on you. So there are X's and O reasons on why you struggle. But like I said, then starting to change up on the defensive side of the ball with the coordinator, what you were doing. That's when you start going. Wait, are we getting desperate here? What's what's going on? And yeah, yeah. You were. You started to get desperate. Well, and being in the locker room and talking to the guys during the season, they were they couldn't find the answers, and you could tell they were trying to come up with answers. Having been, you know, a player and obviously been in the locker room and looked at players when things weren't going right, what's that like? But what, well, what we don't see, what are we not seeing? It, it's frustrating. It, it's the frustration because you know you're better than that. The team hadn't it changed some, 
They did, you know, there were, again, when you start to look at reasons, you get rid of a DB, you get rid of a couple linebackers. You don't, I, I think from a, from a salary cap standpoint, you were way below the average at the linebacker position. So yeah. you can look at some moves and say, were these the best moves? Were this, was this a little, a little egotistical saying, oh, we can get by without those guys and we could do that here when, you know what? You couldn't. You know, you weren't able to do that. But as far as the players as a whole, the frustration level of, you just have to tear it back down to the basics of just go out and do your job. But you start to get frustrated, and sometimes you start to do more than you should. Do your job. Trust the guy next to you is going to do his job. And, you know, if it doesn't happen, if there's a breakdown, then you got somebody has to try and make up for it. For, for the most part, you just need to take care of your job because for all the rocket science we want to make this game, uh, it's a game of one-on-ones. Win your battles. You mentioned, uh, you know, Nick Sirianni earlier. He's going to be on the hot seat this year. Uh, you got to expect. But there were big-name players coming out, really backing him, like a Jason Kelsey yeah, and things like yeah. that. How significant is that, and, and how will that carry over in well, the next year? Oh, I think that is big that they have faith in him because, again, he was the coach of the Super They were in the Super Bowl. So it's Nick Sirianni did not forget how to coach, okay? Because he had him with a 10-point lead in the Super Bowl, and they were 10-1. and one. So it's tough to look at that one thing and say, oh, yeah, he's the reason. Now, you can look at some of the moves that went on and question them. But one other thing you have to remember, I, I was just talking earlier today uh, with Max Crosby, and we were asking him about, you know, why you backed Antonio Pierce so hard to be the coach. And he said, A, I believe in him. And he said, B, people don't realize the change that's involved when you change a head coach. And just as I mentioned before, head coach, coordinators, position coaches, now the whole offseason, instead of just trying to build on what you had to go, you're relearning again and kind of starting over again. For a player, it's a damning thing that I think a lot of people don't really think about. I think um, one of the things the listeners are trying to figure out is, was it as simple as you're saying, okay, the head coach, he stayed, they changed. What is this? Is it as simple as, hey, they had two strong coordinators, and that took them to the Super Bowl. They got two coordinators that are more veteran, have a little bit more, you know, oomph behind them. They had two guys who really didn't have a lot of experience. Desai had been a coordinator once, but is that essential enough that, okay, they can get this back straight there's nothing simple about about what went on for, to, for again being a lead in the super bowl to to falling off the way they did and it's never one thing right as, as i mentioned you you give up players in the back half and then you have injuries in the back half so that's going to play a role you're not executing the way you did that's going to play a role you change coordinators that's going to play the role even, no matter even if a system is close to the same how does that coordinator call plays Right. But you did lose both your coordinators. It does tell you how important coordinators are unless the head coach is calling the plays on one side of the ball, whatever their particular you know, uh, side of the ball is. They are the CEO and they delegate that authority to the coordinator. So it does show you how what, what Steichen and what Gannon meant to that team before they left. So, yeah, there are there are all, there's a lot of things you throw into a pot when this happens. So uh, the Super Bowl, of course, you can listen right here on 97.3 ESPN. You'll Are hear you Mike. amazed that Mahomes and Reed are here again and that it doesn't seem that it will end anytime soon? <laughs> yeah, it, 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 and the thing about it is, is I equate them this year to Tampa Bay when Tom went there. 
the year Tom won the Super Bowl, they don't get to the Super Bowl without Tampa Bay's defense playing the way they did. And this Kansas City defense has been money as of late. I think this is a defensive Super Bowl. I think both these defenses. Now, San Francisco has been a little more susceptible against a run in the postseason, as opposed a lot more actually, as opposed to the regular season. But I think these. I, I think the old adage, "Defense wins championships," comes into play in this well, game. It's interesting you say that because I I really feel like in the case of the Niners, it seemed like the Lions really started to put out a little bit of a, a formula, a blueprint, if you will, maybe that was working to rattle Purdy in the first half. Did you see things in the last two playoff games for the Niners? Because they didn't exactly play their best ball against the no. Packers or the Lions that you expect the, the Chiefs to take advantage of. I, I called the Packers game. I, I was in the booth for that one, and, and Purdy was just flat out off, mm-hmm. flat out missing receivers, whether it was the 19 days off of not playing in Week 18 and rust for a young player, whether it was it was raining and it was slick and we get into the small hands conversation where the ball was slipping out of his hand, whatever and, and then the first half of Detroit, he's 7 of 15 for 93 yards before he goes off in the second half. So he was inconsi- been inconsistent in the playoffs. But that's why their their roster, top to bottom, is the deepest in the NFL. They have ways to make up for it, which they can do. Uh, but I, I, as, as I talked to players this week for Westwood One, Fred Warner was one of them, the all-pro middle linebacker. And I asked him about the rush defense. He said, listen, that's on us. That's on execution. You know, that's as simple as if I'm a three-technique D-tackle, I got the B-gap. If you're the other D-tackle and a one-technique, you got the A-gap. Linebackers are filling and filling the other gaps. D-ends are taking their gaps. Fill your gap. If I And, and that's what Fred said. We had, we had players, different players at times, not in their gap. Now you have two defensive players in one gap. What do you got a hole? They're, now they're not getting touched till the next level. Take care of your responsibility and then get to the ball if the ball breaks and get there. That's what defense is. There's X's and O's. They're taking care of your responsibility, and then there's the want to as well. How much, uh, you know, Andy is obviously, this is uh, old hat for him now, yeah. which is funny to say because, you know, he kept <laughs> coming up short, coming up short. Now it's like, but, you know, Kyle in Atlanta, everybody keeps remembering that moment for him. How big is this game for him as the head coach? I think the most pressure in this game is on Lynch and Kyle. We talk, or I've talked about, and I will continue, that they have the deepest roster in the NFL. For John Lynch, the biggest stain right now is the fact that the, not only they drafted Trey Lance, mm. but gave up assets for him. That one stings, right? Mm. But look what he's done, including trading for Christian McCaffrey. And so to have the best roster and not close the deal. I know there can only be one team at the top, but they've made some great selections free agency, draft picks, trades to where they are the deepest team in the NFL. You've got to be able to close that out. Do you know that this was the most amazing stat to me? Before Christian McCaffrey got there in 22, Kyle Shanahan had a losing record. Mm. He was 46 and 48. I never would have thought that. And now McCaffrey scored a touchdown in every single game 17 (laughs) games. I mean, it's ridiculous ridiculous what he has done. And I love the father-son thing. 
that that uh, Mike Shanahan and Ed McCaffrey won a couple Super Bowls together. Now you got the kids yeah. looking to win the Super Bowl. It's pretty it. cool. Yeah. Uh, you can listen to the Super Bowl Westwood One's coverage on Super Sunday here on 97.3 ESPN. Begins at five o'clock. Mike Golick is part of an all-star crew. Kevin Harlan, Laura Oakman on the sideline. Kurt Warner will be the analyst along with Mike on the field, and uh, you can hear it all right here on 97.3 ESPN. And of course, we're at Vegas. So have you lost more money in AC or Vegas? Uh, Vegas, because uh, in AC, I was never there for a week. <laughs> Had I been there for a week, I probably would. I will say, because uh, she's traveling back now, so she's in a plane, so she can't hear, my wife lost more money than me. Okay, she cost me more money. I, I will say, and we're at Ocean in Atlantic City every Monday, beautiful place. The square footage of these... Rooms are outrageous. Yeah. yeah, they are. It's unnecessary. Very unnecessary. <laughs> Very unnecessary. Very unnecessary. But how do oh, they? Man. But you know how they get the money to build all these big rooms? Yeah, yeah. I can tell. Yeah. I can yeah. tell. Yeah. I could put a plaque with my name on it. Oh my <laughs> gosh! Just, just to walk here yeah. was, was something else. Uh-huh. Mike Golick, everybody, good to see you. you too. And yeah. uh, you can hear him on Super Sunday here on 97.3 ESPN. We'll be back with plenty more thanks to Ernest and Sons Old Fashioned Butcher Shop in Brigantine and Clark's Moving and Storage. 97.3 ESPN presents the Sports Bash with Mike Gill. It's time for Football at Four, powered by the Inside the Birds podcast. Just hungry to bring back another Lombardi to Philly. It's, uh, the fans deserve it. Our team deserves it. Uh, culture begs for it. Now live from inside the Matt Black Kia Studios, this is Football at Four. Do you feel that the offense never felt fluid? Yes, I do. I do. And, and I love Brian Johnson. I mean, he went to Utah. He was my, my <laughs> alma mater, right? And and I don't think it's it's fair to pin. He was all great the, there, by the way. Oh yeah. yeah, on the cover of the NCAA football game. Yeah, I don't think it's fair to pin all the blame on him. You know, you pin it just as much on a lot of us. Sports Pass Live, ninety-seven three ESPN, and of course that was our conversation yesterday with Britton uh, Covey, and uh, we've been talking a lot about some of the answers that he gave us throughout the day today, which I thought was very honest. And I don't know that he said something uh, that anybody should be upset with if you are uh, in the Eagles organization. And all not to say that the Eagles organization is mad at, at Britain at all. But uh, obviously, I think he basically told the truth. I think he said, we struggled. Why? The offense got figured out. We didn't uh, adjust to what teams did. And they adjusted to us. They watched us last year. They had all offseason to kind of uh, get ready for us. And... That's why he felt that the Eagles offense struggled a little bit. Let's bring in Jeff Mosher from the Inside the Birds podcast for football at four, powered by the Inside the Birds podcast, and he joins us live. We are on Radio Row, Mandalay Bay in Vegas, and he is back there in Philly. And, of course, uh, you heard what Britton had to say there. There was a lot in the conversation, but, you know, I think he was being very, very honest and truthful about what he thought most happened with this team this season. I would agree, Mike. I think he was being honest. I think he was being detailed in his honesty. And um, he also made his rounds that day at numerous uh, stations and, and I think pretty much gave similar kind of answers because the big question from everybody to Eagles is what the heck happened, right? And that's been making the rounds. I would say, though, this, that while we, you and I, and people in our business and fans appreciate honesty, um, sometimes when you tell the truth, 
you do incriminate certain people, um, or, or at least throw them, not throw them under the bus, but you expose them. And you, you, when you say, I don't think someone in the Eagles organization should have an issue with him being honest, no, but the, when, you, when you are a player and you say, our offense was good enough in 2022 to get to a Super Bowl, but then the opponents adjusted to us in 2023 and we did a bad job of counter-adjusting, what you're saying is, at least the way I would look at it, is that the coaching staff did not adjust to the adjustment. And I think that that can be as a criticism, not from him, but from the outside and, and from objectively analyzing and saying the coaching staff did a bad job of adjusting to the adjustment. So in a way that he was trying to take the pressure off the coaches, but the way I interpreted the statement is that it's sort of the opposite, that the coaches did a bad job of recognizing something that Adam Kaplan and I on Inside the Birds were talking about all year long is that they were stale, that people were sitting on their routes in the secondary from other teams, that they didn't do any kind of motion to try to throw defenses off that. That is a coaching principle. So right. to say it's not the coaches, it's the players, but then to also say, well, our scheme got still, you really are putting it on the coaches. And I imagine with all the um, notoriety that his interviews are getting, including the great one that you did with him, uh, Mike and, and, and Scott, I imagine that someone's going to wind up talking to him. Yeah, Jeff, I uh, I actually saw Britton here earlier today. I just approached him about what had gone on, and, and he, he looked a little dejected. He just, as I walked up and said, man, it happened again. He's like, that's what I was just sitting here talking about. And uh, he's like, I don't know, maybe maybe I just need to not talk. And I'm thinking that's the worst thing that could happen because I think what fans really enjoy is, is truth, honesty, um, and clarity. Um, and I wonder, from your perspective, Jeff, you know, and he said he's a punt returner. He doesn't want to be making these these headlines. Is that part of it? Is it because he's not one of these big-name veterans saying that? You, Scott, uh, famously remember Peyton Manning um, after one of the really bad Colts playoff losses that Mike Vanderyak, the kicker, uh, <laughs> you know, kind of added his two cents, and all Peyton Manning had to say something about the, quote, idiot kicker uh, or the <laughs> drunken idiot kicker. Like, I think that that falls under the same category. You're, you're the punt returner. You're on special teams. You're not a star player you're not a coach and you're not even a veteran you're a second year player so i do believe that that plays a, a part in it and i think listen people who know britain or who are in the locker room with him know that he's a good dude and a smart dude cerebral dude it's not going to matter though i think the whole let's keep everything in house um phenomenon that we always see with with sports is going to happen here and you know I, I feel bad that he's dejected for being honest but he is smart enough, and he is a professional enough to. He has to know how his words sounded. And if you and I listen to him and think, "Huh, you're kind of saying that you're not only did the scheme get stale, but the people in charge of it didn't change it," he's got to know that that implies that it's more. Than I just guess. A the, okay, I guess part of the interesting part of this is the guy who was the coordinator is no longer here. So the team admitted that there was a problem, but I guess the underlying elephant in the room here is it's the guy whose offense it is is still here so you're essentially saying okay brian because i asked him i mean did you think that you would have been better served with a little bit more of a veteran offensive coordinator you know brian being a first-year guy he said yeah i think so like we probably could have used somebody who had a little bit better more experience at calling plays but keep in mind 
I'm call he's calling plays that aren't his. So does this squarely look to Nick Sirianni not making those adjustments? It's new, right? I mean, and again, that's that was a big focal point of our discourse and dialogue on inside the birds for most of that second half. You know, it's noteworthy to me that Britton Covey, when you asked him about Kellen Moore, the first thing he did was talk about motion and how much more motion and he's excited about the use of motion. Well, Nick Sirianni has come out and publicly said he's not, doesn't need motion. He doesn't value it as much as other teams do. And now you're probably going to see a whole lot of motion with Kellen Moore. I assume you would think that if Kellen Moore has succeeded with in the past, he's going to try to implement it into the offense. So it, it, does, it, it just all further kind of puts the spotlight on Nick Sirianni and shows that they're moving away from him, what he wanted to do, his offense, his concepts. And, you know, like it or not, that's, that, that feels incriminating. What did you think most of the, what he was talking about? He gave another ringing endorsement of, uh, of Nick Sirianni as the CEO, right? He kind of pointed out how he thought it was a little crazy that he was asked what his job is. Um, but he, you know, and we've heard it from the veterans, the big name veterans, as we talked about, like the Kelsey's, the, the Fletcher Cox's, the ringing endorsement for Nick Sirianni in that role. What did you make of, of, of you know, cause everybody focuses on the stuff that implies negatives. There's one thing he said that really implied what Nick does during the week, um, to really help them. What did you make of that? Yeah. And that didn't surprise me, Scott. And I think that, um, I think it's actually, I mentioned this on the podcast that we dropped this morning with Adam, uh, the Inside the Birds one. I, I think it's been a good week for Nick Sirianni, otherwise PR from a PR standpoint, because a lot of his players down there have bent over backwards to, to not just defend him. Cause you, you can tell when a player doesn't really love a coach and says, Hey, it's a, job, it's a player's job to make plays. Hey, listen, you know, I don't know if you saw the really answer like that Jackson him. Smith and Jigba gave about his former court. Did you see that answer? I did not. About, about, um, the about Shane Waldron. The Seahawks? No. What did he say? So he was asked, I guess, from a Chicago station about, like, what the Bears can anticipate from Shane Waldron. And he was like, um, yeah, uh, he's a nice person. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> like, it was, it was like, I got nothing here for you, man. Like, it was pretty uncomfortably bad. You, you got to look that one up. But I agree with yeah, what you're saying, Mosh, is that um, it, it seems pretty definitive that, like, that everybody doesn't flinch when asked about Nick. Yeah, and I, and I think that that's good. It's, 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 it bodes well for Nick as far as people wondering if he lost the locker room. I don't think he lost the locker room. I don't think – I definitely think there were issues in that locker room, and, and Britton, again, pointed that out as far as accountability and finger-pointing. But I don't think I, – I never sensed that the team – didn't think Nick had its best interest. You know, same thing with Doug. They rallied for Doug after the Super Bowl two straight years when they were down because they, they really liked playing for Doug. Um, but then in 2020, it, it didn't really matter how much they loved Doug. They just couldn't do it. They were too injured, too beat up. This team was too discombobulated with everything going on, with the coordinator change on defense, with the injuries, with the, the being figured out, that those were the issues that they couldn't overcome more so than they don't like their head coach and they're not playing for him. Well, and, and you know, Britton also mentioned, I don't know how much stock or, or weight you put into this, but as an offensive player, he, the first thing he said was that the defensive coordinator switch was definitely a problem. Of course. 
I mean, I, I, again, see, that's the kind of thing I don't think you get in trouble for because it was clear. It was obvious. Everybody knew that. You know, it doesn't really throw any one person who's still with the team under the bus either, the way his comments can be kind of construed as, as Nick didn't do a, a great job of adjusting. So I, I don't think that that's going to be as much of an issue. And listen, again, I, I don't think the Eagles are going to come down on Britton Covey. I think they're just going to make him aware that no matter how diplomatic you try to be, no matter how rational you try to be, people out there are going to take snippets of what you say and little things of what you say. And, and I'm not saying you guys, but this, I thought your interview was great, but you know how, how social media can be. So um, it's, un- it's just unfortunate. And, and, and the fact that he went through this already with uh, something he said, I think in, the, in an acquirer story that got totally taken out of context to the point where it was taken opposite of what he was saying it's going to be an experience where Britain's probably going to probably going to clam up and, and get, you know be, be more conservative with how he speaks now yeah and I have a uh, I have a good source who who told me that he has already heard from someone high up in the organization that said he has his back so he is at least getting some of that positive reinforcement from the organization uh, at least part of it I don't know about all of it yet but uh but yeah, it, it, you know, it, it is. It, it jades these players, and, and you mentioned it, Mike or Jeff. Sorry, the the amount of Eagles that are there's been a ton of Eagles players down here, and they've all had to answer that question: What happened? I mean, there's been Fletcher Cox, Devontae Smith. We saw Jordan Davis today. You had Lane Johnson around, Britton Covey, um, and the list goes on. I mean, they've all had to answer that, and and I guess this is part of what the team needs is that PR to move on. And do you think they've all done a good enough job? of maybe doing that? I think it's hard to until the Super Bowl is over because of reasons like this where, you know, you go around Radio Row and everybody's talking about it, everybody's bringing it up. And, and there are still some unanswered questions on the Eagles coaching staff as they continue to make some moves. So I think usually the reset button sort of gets pressed right around draft time and then OTAs when the fresh bases are in. and Then you kind of move on from – that's when the head coach himself – brings the team together just like Nick did last year and said, you know, we haven't won anything now. We, you know, we haven't won anything. We didn't win the Super Bowl and so we're 0-0 zero, zero like everybody else and, and you start over there. But until then, yeah, obviously it's it's going to linger. It doesn't help. I don't think that this Super Bowl is in Las Vegas. I think that's why you're seeing a lot of <laughs> Eagles and other NFL players out there. Something tells me if this Super Bowl was in Jacksonville, you probably <laughs> wouldn't see as many guys hanging around. Uh, Minneapolis, maybe. Uh, so that that's always going to be the case. All right, Jeff Mosher, Football at Four. Listen to the latest uh, Inside the Birds podcast. It's on all podcasting platform. You can check out their YouTube channel. Just search Inside the Birds. All right, Mosh, uh, there you go. You got the pick so, for Super I got, Bowl. I got to tell you something. Yeah. I, 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 just, I have to give you a lot of credit from one host to another, and you're, you're far better than I am at hosting. That interview that you guys did with Kenny Maine was an incredible example of being a traffic cop and trying to make sure the interview stays somewhat on course and on the rails because Kenny was trying to drive that thing like a guy in a you know in, a, in like a trolley at two in the morning who's had a few days trying to take you everywhere and you did an excellent job of at least trying to stay but with him and stay on course. Mike's you the one though that took it to the bathroom. Yeah. You he brought did. that up. So I think I, I, I think that was sort of a when in Rome type thing, you know, who you're interviewing. So, so well, you it was know, you gotta go a little yourself. It was one of those moments where you're so tired and like the time changes all comes hitting you at once and I realized when I looked up, hey, 
Kenny Maine was the guy in the bathroom that looked at me like I was a nut. <laughs> and it kind of it, it kind of added to the conversation. But thank you for that, and I appreciate the fact that you heard it, and then those comments are very, uh, very nice. So it's been a wild week out here, Bosch. I'll tell you, it's been pretty crazy. It's pretty crazy. He didn't want to leave us. Sure it is. All right, buddy. I mean, he, listen, Kenny Kenny did not sit there and adjust to how you're feeling. He was going to do his style of interview, and that would be Well, the funny part is we're at, stage, we're at table 31. The table next was 32, I guess, had him scheduled for, like, right after. So in the middle of the conversation, he's like, do you guys still need me over there? And they were like, yeah, that'd be great. He's like, well, I'm still talking to these guys. <laughs> like, my story here is not done. <laughs> I was like, all right, keep going, man. We had a lot of fun with that one. Um yeah. All right, Moshe. Uh, you, you got to pick. Who do you got? What are your picks? I was, uh, my, my I, was saying, gotta, I was wondering who you got. I got Kansas City. I like Kansas City in the under. I like Kansas City in the over. You know, a little bit over too. Um, I tell you, in the beginning of the year when we did our our NFL season predictions, I picked a Kansas City San Francisco Super Bowl with uh, Kansas City winning. But I also I feel like I'm falling into a trap now. Maybe we all are. Where. It's sort of a recency bias where the, the yeah. Niners haven't played so great and the Chiefs have, ah, uh, they played a tough schedule here in the playoffs, you know, starting with that 30 degree under game against Miami, then Buffalo, then Baltimore. But if you were to judge these teams based on what they were throughout the season, the Niners are clearly the, I mean, there was a time we weren't even sure the Chiefs were going to be in the playoffs. So I'm a little worried that we're selling the, the 49ers a little short based on this the last game. two games they played. This game feels like last year. I thought Philadelphia had the better roster, but they had Mahomes and, and Reed. I think San Francisco has the better roster, but they have Mahomes and Reed. Uh, I don't know that Purdy is going to be able to do what Hurts did last year to keep San Francisco in the game, and that's why I like Kansas City. I feel like the Niners are going to have to play a perfect game, and I do think, I think if the Niners can start fast. Now, last time they played in the Super Bowl a couple of years ago, Niners started fast, but Mahomes came back. He had Kelsey, he had Tyreek Hill, uh, even even Sammy Watkins was was contributing. This time, yeah. different offense. If, if if Niners get out to a 10, 13 point lead, not sure Kansas City, even with the great Mahomes, would be able to surmount that. So I think that's a big thing for San Fran. All right, Jeff Mosher from the Inside the Birds podcast here on the Sports Bash ninety seven three ESPN. Thanks, Mosher. Thank you, guys. All right, our Radio Row conversation with Jeff Bosher from Inside the Birds brought to you by Ernest & Sons Old Fashioned Butcher Shop and, of course, Clark's Moving and Storage. All right, when we come back, we got plenty more on Super Bowl 58. The sights and sounds from Vegas, from one of Vegas's own. You hear them every night on game night on 97.3 ESPN. Q Myers is staring right at me. will join us coming up next. It's... For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done. Live from Mandalay Bay on Radio Row in Las Vegas, home of Super Bowl 58. Here's Mike Gill and Scott Grayson. Sports Bash 97.3 ESPN, the 97.3 ESPN free mobile app. Mike and Scott, we're on Radio, Radio Row. How about this? So we're in Vegas. 
and we're at an area that's right next to all these slot machines. Guy walks up to me by the name of John Hanlon. He's from Mainland High School. He built the slot machines. And his brother, Matt Hanlon, is in the audience listening today, and he texted his brother and said, Mike Gill said they're right next to all the slot machines. And his brother is the one who makes the built the slot machines. It's unbelievable, the connections. Yeah. Pretty crazy. Uh, Q Myers is the guest of Game Night on 97.3 ESPN. And you'll hear that show tonight here on the sport, after the Sports Bash. And of course, Josh has Game Night as well. And he will be joining us in just a second to give us some take uh, on the Super Bowl. But he is a Vegas guy. He is from Vegas. He actually does a show here on Raider Nation Radio. Uh, so he is the program director for 920 Raider Nation Radio out here. And he is also the host of Game Night uh, on 97.3 ESPN, which will air tonight at, uh, what, 10 o'clock in the east, right? 10 o'clock in the east. 10 in the east, 7 in the west. We in the west because it's the best. <laughs> It's been the best this week. I got to tell you, man, it's my first time here. I am thoroughly impressed. Yeah, it's been fun, man. It's been fun. It's been a great host city. I didn't know what it was going to look like because so many people come here for the Super Bowl anyway just to yeah. hang out because Vegas. But I didn't know how they were actually going to put it all together. But the way that they put Mandalay Bay's Convention Center together, the way that the whole city has been embracing the Super Bowl, Allegiant Stadium's right down the street. Uh, everyone's here. It's been busy all week. It's, it's been fun, man. It's been good. I didn't get out of this building until last night. So I've only been in, like, Luxor, Mandalay Bay like, yeah. for two days. Then last night we walked, and I said, you've got to be kidding me. Yeah, like, yeah. this is impressive. They, it is. They've done an unbelievable job with this strip and this thing. But the Super Bowl itself, I tell you, when I got off the airport, there was no signage, banners, no signage. Super Bowl was here. Yeah, it was yeah. kind of weird because, like, you know, you go to Minnesota, Atlanta, right. they always have the banners everywhere. Right, and I right. was like, are they not embracing this? You didn't see it in the, in the airport? No. Not much. Oh, wow. I saw much. one or two signs. Okay, okay. Well, yeah. I mean, you know, we're, we're used to having big things, I guess. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. It's only the Super Bowl, so maybe they probably should have done that. It's, uh, it's been they a have the sphere. You don't need anything else. Man, isn't that thing you amazing? Been there? No. No, 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 no. no. I'm, I, I, my tax bracket, I can't afford to get in there. <laughs> oh, <man. laughs> I don't make big bucks like that. Um, I do the night show. <laughs> <laughs> so the Super Bowl in Vegas, uh, glitz, glamour, it's everything you've ever anticipated, but you actually have a game. The whole week you're here, it yeah. seems like the game is almost secondary right. until, like, now. Yeah, exactly. Now it's starting, like, it's feeling like, okay, yep. let's get our hands dirty on this game. Yeah. And everybody, the guy, you know what's funny? How about this? Doing the show, talking. I said, yeah, we're right next to these slot machines. A guy listening, his brother went to my high school, and that guy right there that just came up to me. Oh, yeah, yeah. He's from my high school, and he That's built the machine. Wow. And his brother said, hey, I'm listening. He's sitting right here. Yeah, the guy yeah. just came over and said hello. He I saw built that. The slot I saw machines. that. Okay, that's awesome. That's why you took a picture with him and everything. Yeah, he asked for the selfie. Hey, hey man. I looked know. a little short next to that hey, guy. <laughs> yes. Hey, look, we all, I could have stood on your shoulders and looked short next to him. So there's that. Um, and he asked me, so who you got? I said, Chiefs in the under. I think as this week has mm-hmm. come to almost a conclusion, we've got an hour left. Um, actually, an hour and a half. Hour and a half I'm, for who? <laughs> yeah, he's like, I'm for who? I'm on at 10 o'clock tonight, I'm on until, I'm, I'm, I'm on till what, 1 a.m.? Yeah, Eastern? so when you're driving around tonight in Atlantic City at 10 o'clock, you will hear Q. Yeah, exactly. And he will still have been And here. I'll still be in this spot, except for, <laughs> instead of sitting here looking towards you, I'll be sitting looking towards the other way. I know, you took down the big thing. I took our little, yeah, we, uh, we had a couple of people from the station that were like, oh man, you know, it's getting a little late, I'm getting a little tired. Is there anything I can do to help clean up? And I said, yeah, man, go on, go home, man. So I just had him do That's a little nice. something. Uh, yeah. I got Chiefs. 
and the under. That's where I'm going. I, I, that makes sense. I got the Chiefs just because I'm not going to, as many people said, go against Patrick Mahomes, but I'm also not going to go against that defense. That defense has been stingy, especially the secondary. Like, everyone looks at Chris Jones and says how much of a monster he is, and he is. But that secondary, man, I mean, they don't let they don't let you catch a cold, right? How, how significant is it to the, the two weeks? for Spagnuolo to have to prepare to throw wrinkles at Brock Purdy. I think it's bigger for Andy Reid. Have you seen his record coming off the bye? Oh, oh we're yeah. well aware. Oh, yeah, we are all aware. Yeah. <laughs> right? I mean, I think it's more important for him, but I think that you're right about Spags and the job he's done all year with that defense, and now he's getting an extra week to prepare. Yeah, I think there's so much heat on the 49ers, right? And, I, and, and look, the Chiefs have been here, done that. They won it last year. They went through adversity this year. And they're still in the Super Bowl, right? This is the year that you're supposed to be able to beat them. Right? You can get them this year. I, last year the Eagles were here, and obviously they're not. And you can give an opinion on why you think that is. Yeah. But um, this game, to me, feels a lot like I thought the Eagles were the better roster. I did too last year. I did too. But that you're up against Mahomes and Reed, and yeah, you can't make a mistake. And Jalen Hurts played the better game, except for that fumble. Mistake. That fumble was the one. But that's why I like, because I don't know, and I like Purdy, but I don't think he can outdo what Jalen did right. last year. No, I don't either. And the Chiefs defense this year is better than the one Jalen carved up last year. Right, exactly. I think the big deal for Purdy is he's going to have to lean on that dude in the backfield named Christian McCaffrey. He's got to lean on that dude named Debo Samuel, and he's got to stretch the field with Brandon Ayuk. Now, that sounds easy. The problem is, going back to what I said about the secondary, those guys are stingy, man. Those guys are stingy. Well, it's they hard don't, when you put a game plan together, They're stingy. And you have to say, we have to beat you, and it's not because of our quarterback. Mm. You know, how if, if you're the offensive staff for San Francisco, you're saying, if we're going to win this game, it's Christian McCaffrey. That's a hard way right. to win. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it is. And so that's why I, I have to lean to, to, to the Chiefs, even though they're the underdog, which, okay. You know, they're the underdog. So, but I, I, I don't understand that, but I, I'm, it was two. Is it moved? Uh, I think it's two, two and a half, something like that. I mean, but still, being the underdog when you've been there, done that, and you've got Pat Mahomes and you've got that stingy defense. I don't understand that one, but I'm not the guy who makes those lines. Now, I looked at it initially and I was like, okay, who has the better coach? I think we all would agree we go with Andy Reid. Got to. He's got the hardware. Who has the better quarterback? Got to go with Patrick. And yeah. I thought back to it and I'm like, well, back when the Eagles won the Super Bowl in Minneapolis, who had the better coach? Bill Belichick, yeah. the better quarterback. Yeah, yeah. Not Nick Foles. That's true. And, yeah. and, and it just goes to show you that. Yeah, that's a good point. Things can happen. So do you see this, though, being a close game? Or do yeah. You th- okay. I think it's going to be close, for sure. Yeah, I think it's going to go under as well. But I think it's going to be really close. Um, I'm hoping it doesn't come down to a field goal kicker because who wants to see that? Right? I, I don't. I, I'd rather see them get it in the end zone. And I, I don't mind a last drive or whatever. But uh, I think when, you know, when it comes to, to the bottom line, you know, you put 15 on the field and give him a chance. Or you put Purdy on the field and see what he's got, right? I mean, this could be such a game-changing moment for Brock Purdy because there's a lot of people who are still on the fence of what he is and what he isn't. And, and you know, it's not because, like, I'm trying to throw shade at him. I just don't know. I know what he was when he was at Iowa State. I covered him. Mike knows. I was in Central Texas. I covered Big 12. So I, I knew who Brock Purdy was. I knew who David Montgomery was. I knew who all those guys at Iowa State were. I just don't know if Brock, who Brock Purdy is as the NFL quarterback as far as that guy that can take you on that game-winning drive if you need it or if he's a guy that has to have that whole system work really well for him, right? And so that's that's what I want to see. And, and, and he might not even have a chance because Patrick Mahomes might just say, yeah, don't worry about it, you second-year guy. I got this. I said or I gave my guy of who in this game either side has the most pressure on him. See if your answer matches mine. Mine is not a quarterback. Or mine's not a player, I should say. Mine's a coach. 
Shanahan. Kyle Shanahan. Yeah. We're on the same page. Yeah. yeah. Kyle Shanahan to me. Yep. Like if they're up twenty to three in the third quarter, yeah. or you know, yeah, run the ball. What happens? Run the ball. Run the ball. He could do that with this team, though. Yeah, yeah, he could have done it with the team that was up twenty eight three. Well, he <laughs> was, you know, because it wasn't not the Super as good Bowl, though. Because it was, they were still su- running the ball really well. Because it wasn't the Super Bowl, people aren't looking at it the same way. But look back at halftime of, yeah. of last of the NFC Championship game. Right. They were in that hole. Yeah. And 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 I think the Lions lost that game more mm-hmm. than the I did too. Won yeah, because they stopped running. Oh, they had 140 plus yards in the first half. Yeah, what are you doing? Right, and changed every. Yeah, yeah. What are you doing? Uh, and, and went for it on fourth down, which Dan Campbell has always done. But he should have gone. This is my thing. He should have gone for it on fourth down, fourth and goal before halftime. Should have gone for the touchdown. Should have kicked the field goals in the second half. Oh, absolutely. But Match he, but he reversed points. it. He reversed yeah. it. He kicked the field goal before halftime, and then he went for it in the second half. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, Q Myers will host a game night here on 97.3 ESPN tonight at 10 o'clock. Weeknights at 10 o'clock on 97.3 ESPN. Um, and uh, we'll leave you with this because, as we brought it up, you know, the Eagles are not here. Right. Do you have one? We've asked a lot of yeah. Eagle players, yeah. people. I'm passionate about this, actually. One hypothesis of what wrong, what went wrong with Philadelphia? The locker room. The locker room went wrong. The locker room got sideways. Jalen got paid, and the locker room got a little sideways. And I don't know the roots of it. I don't know. I don't know. Fletcher Cox said he didn't either. I don't know exactly where the locker room went wrong or why it went wrong, but the locker room went wrong. Mm -hmm. It it wasn't the talent on the field. Those guys were super talented. Uh, they started out ten and one, right? And somewhere along the line, there was some kind of issues that were brewing. You when saw they were ten and one. Did you buy into them? No, I didn't think they were a, a great ten and one. I thought they were ten and one that had an opportunity to continue to get better, but they're still winning games. So, okay, you're winning games, and you know that the, you still need to work, right? So, that was good. And then all of a sudden, it started to fall apart at the seams. And so that to me felt like there was a disconnect between the quarterback and star wide receivers or wide receiver. Something along the line went wrong, and that's why I look at the situation and say that has to get fixed. Someone has to get to the root of that evil and figure out what it is, remove it, and then move forward. Hugh Myers tonight at 10 right here on 97.3 ESPN, live from Radio Row for Super Bowl 58. You'll hear more from him. And uh, who we got tonight? Myron Metcalf. Myron Metcalf. We're going to make it happen. Make it do what it do. I was on with him last Friday. We are <laughs> talking right. Joel Embiid, and yes. guess what? I don't think we're going to see Joel. I don't think so either. Uh, back with more sports fans, Kevin Harlan, the voice of Super Bowl 58, joins us next here on Radio Row on 97.3 ESPN and the free mobile app. It's the sports For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Live from Mandalay Bay on Radio Row in Las Vegas, home of Super Bowl 58. Here's Mike Gill and Scott Grayson. Back live on Radio Row, Mandalay Bay, Vegas, baby. Our conversation with Kevin Harlan, the voice of Super Bowl 58 on Westwood One. He's joining us now. You'll hear him Sunday right here on 97.3 ESPN. And this conversation brought to you by our friends, at Ernest and Sons Old Fashioned Butcher Shop and Clark's Moving and Storage with Kevin Harlan, the voice of 
Super Bowl 58. Now, don't you guys love meat? <laughs> I love meat. I, oh, God, right now I do anything. An old-fashioned butcher I shop. know it. Yeah. He sells everything. <laughs> Kevin Harlan could do the play-by-play of the man uh, cutting the meat. <laughs> <laughs> the slices one after another in perfect formation. <laughs> The grace with which uh, he goes back and forth. We could think of all kinds of fun things to have there. Are you How are you guys doing? Doing good. You're exhausted, I bet. Uh, huh? You know, the, the time change gets you a little bit. Yeah, How do you it, it, right? yeah. So, you know, you were on my announcer podcast, and uh, Phil, who does the podcast with me, he's always, like, monitoring. You guys are so nice, by the way. My, my kid, I'm not on social media, so my kids will, will screenshot what you put, you know, about, yeah. hey, here's his schedule and all that. He's always, like, your schedule every week. He's like, we got another Kevin Harlan schedule this week. <laughs> like, how do you deal with the time? Oh, I don't know. I don't really think about it that much. And, and you kind of. You kind of become numb to it after a while, and you just hope that, you, and really you're preparing right up until tip-off or right up until kickoff. There's never enough time to prepare. You do as much as you can, and then just kind of rely on whatever, you know, you, you've got. And that's kind of how that's, I am. It's crazy. Um, are you getting tired of Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes at all doing this game? They're so unique, aren't they? I mean, right, I mean, and this is the fourth time in five years, but their story really never gets old. Like, I admire, it's always great to see a, a, a shooting star and, a guy that, or a woman that comes on the stage and uh, captivates the audience and does something phenomenal. And but sometimes they're a one one hit wonder. And then you've got Reed and Mahomes, who do it year after year after year, and you appreciate the the ability to maintain that level. That to me is the most difficult thing to do. Sometimes to say in this business, you know, it's it's not that hard to climb the ladder and get to the market you want to get to or the job you want to get. But to maintain it and to hold on to it and do it year after year, that's difficult. And think about how much the NFL has changed and how much Reed has adapted and evolved himself. So we talked to you last year before the Eagles huh? and Chiefs, and uh, we were looking forward to that game, and it, it ended up being a great one, right? It, had to be it was a, terrific. Had to, be, had to be a thrill to call. So much fun. What, were, what did you think when you saw the end of that one and how it went down? I mean, uh, shame it kind of ended that way. You called it the Bradbury hold and all that. Well, how did you guys? Well, he admitted he held, right? As he I did, recall, he yeah, did. he admitted he held. He's still a liar. But but, but, <laughs> but you know, like last night, we, we, we I was in L.A. doing uh, the for TNT the the Nuggets and the Lakers, and the officials they they let him play. You know what a joy it is to just let him. Okay, yeah, maybe there's a little bit of the, some business going on, and like you know. Uh, but if you let them play, it usually evens out. Get the egregious stuff. Get the stuff that that stops a play. Don't yes. get a, don't get a holding play on the other side of the field that makes no difference to where that pass was going. Yes. Or or, or, or what? And, and and so now that they were going for him. Now on that play, I mean Bradbury was he was guilty, and you could see it. And the jersey pulled, and that, you know, and, and and sometimes it's it's a split second decision, I think, for these officials. Said, boy, I've seen that about ten times today, and I haven't called it. But <laughs> look where we are in the game, and they're driving, and they could, you know, this is a big possession for the Chiefs. And and sure enough, he threw the flag. So I don't know. I guess I'm a little indifferent. I thought Philadelphia last year was just dynamite, man. I I thought that they would. I really thought that they would roll, and the Chiefs, the Chiefs got them at the end, and it, you know, it was. I felt bad for Hurts, and then and then the most disappointing thing is to see how this year turned out. How the season finished. It was brutal. And I could this I said this cannot be did the same have, coach. Did you call any of the games late in the year where they were completely different? I called them when they beat Kansas City by one and then and then I called them in Seattle when they they lost at the end, yeah. right to that yes. uh, 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 interception uh, late. Uh, yeah, the interception. I was, uh, thank you. And so totally different team. 
I don't know what happened. The quarterback, Nobody. the quarterback wasn't healthy. Mm-hmm. Quarterback wasn't healthy last year too. I, I was with his driver, and driver told me that uh, this is about a month afterwards. When I was doing a Sixer game. He said, "Well, you know, he had foot, or he had foot surgery or shoulder. He, one of the two. He had I, that wasn't even the report. It was the opposite. <laughs> right. Like they were saying there was a shoulder, but really he had a foot foot thing. It was not the shoulder. So I don't. He, he was beat up again this year. When you run that much, it's going to happen." So, um, you know, I like Sirianni. I am a fan of his. I like their team. Sound like their locker room got a little wonky late in the season. That's not good. That's never good, especially when it gets out in public. All locker rooms are a little clunky at times, but when, when it comes out in public, that, that's never a good sign. So I don't know. They got, this is, this next season will be important for a lot of those people. I still think Hertz is the guy. I still think Sirianni hasn't lost anything in coaching, but. Boy, they were disappointing. They were my team to come out. I, I, I got to tell you, I, I thought that was the team to come out of the NFC. Are you intrigued by if San Francisco has a lead, will you be watching Kyle Shanahan? You know, he's lost him. We know that as the Atlanta uh, OC when they were up 28-3, to third quarter, and we know what Brady and those guys did, greatest comeback in Super Bowl history. You know what the Chiefs did, you know, a couple years ago in Miami in Super Bowl, 54 down 10 came back and won that um i i I think kyle shanahan is is one of the great coaches in this league and sometimes fate just isn't on your side i don't know that it's necessarily coaching decisions but i think he's learned from those two games what not to do or what to stay away from or what to adjust so i think he'll be all the better for it i i I think he's going to have a better feel for it Uh, listen I, I've tried to look at this game from 18 different directions, <laughs> and every time I think this part of the field has the advantage, it's the other half that comes back and they can counter it. I feel that way both ways. Um, so this is, uh, uh, like, so close to call. Kind of like going well, to that Philly game well, last year. the Philly yeah. game last year, it's interesting because every a lot of people said, well, Hurts actually was the better player. I mean, he had the bigger game, but the one fumble was the difference in that game because Huge. nobody could get a stop. Huge. And that's like... How many be... rushing... Did he have three rushing touchdowns in that Super Bowl? I Hertz? think he had... Did he have two? I think it was two. I think he had two, and then he threw for... Yeah, it was ridiculous. He had like oh, he had play. an amazing game. Yeah. He was the MVP. I mean, would have been. Would have been. And many people would've said, been. yeah, that he was the better player. and But that one fumble, and you're thinking, if that happens to Purdy, because he's had some slow starts, yep. but he's made up for him with some unbelievable plays. But... You can't afford to make that one mistake against this team. I don't know that he's – I don't know. Everyone's focusing on him, and I get it, and and he's the quarterback, and that's always going to be the focus. I think think someone else is – I think it's going to be other parts, quite frankly. I think Purdy's going to be fine. He's not – he doesn't have the arm, doesn't have the legs, but he's got a little bit of both, and he's got a great mind. He is – he he's brilliant, and his the, the Kurt Warner told me the other day the one thing that really stands about him is his ability to read in a split second the second he gets the snap what has been camouflaged and what is genuine in the defense. He said that that's rare to have that quality, and he's got it. By the so, way, three rushing touchdowns. Oh, was oh right. I was right. Oh, you know what? Sometimes he's you there. We should have. Uh, uh, you know, three hundred four yards, some, a touchdown pass, seventy rushing, and three rushing. Sometimes touchdowns. in the morning you put your drawers on right, and, and it, it pays <laughs> off. And that was one time right there. They put them on right this morning in L.A., and here I am in Vegas, and they're still on the right way. Um, but but I would say that that um, uh, I, I th- but Mahomes is playing differently. Mahomes is not wearing. 
He's not, he's not the Superman that he's been trying to be all season long. He's backed off. He's throwing quicker out of the pocket. He knows he's got liability, a little leaky at those tackles. He's throwing quickly outside. He's letting the yards after catch kind of accumulate as opposed to him looking and looking and looking. He's never held the ball longer. He's never thrown more interceptions. He's never thrown for shorter distances. So he's kind of had to alter his game, which is the sign of his maturity. Because he can do it all, but he knows around him he doesn't have really the weapons. So uh, I know... Um the Super Bowl is this huge, massive event, but everybody keeps asking these wild, like, does Westwood One Radio have some sort of creative way to involve Taylor Swift into this broadcast? <laughs> oh, I'm sure they're, they're going to play some music. You have, like, some of her lines, like, no, in your No, I know nothing. My daughters do. I've got three <laughs> girls, uh, and, and they they love her, and they've, they've gone to see her, actually, and uh, they're captivated by her. You know... Betting and Taylor Swift have done more for the ratings in the NFL <laughs> than the game itself. Like everybody's betting, and so now they're all paying attention to these games and they're watching. And then, and then Taylor Swift has brought all this group to to watch, and not just because of her and maybe the glimpse you'll get of her, but they want to watch her boyfriend. Yeah, and and so He's they stick good. around. Oh, he is pretty good. He'll be in the Hall of Fame. He'll be in Canton someday. I got to say, Kevin, one of the things I love every time we talk to you, every year, you're gracious enough to come over here and talk to us. You act like a kid who just happens to get paid to do, <laughs> get, to do what you love to do. I mean, the fun. How fun is it? Like you see, we're in L.A. last night, and I think he's got more rest than we did. Uh, <laughs> yeah. How do you do this? Uh, I, I love the business, as you guys do. I love the business. Uh, I feel honored to be here. I think about the, the privilege it is to broadcast that game, to think of the men that sat in that seat before me, the Jack Bucks and Marv and... Lindsey Nelson and Jim Simpson and Don Cricky and the the greats Don of the greats. Yeah, well, N- NBC had it for two years. Yeah. And Don Cricky did it for two years on radio. Um, there's some great names. Ray Scott did it one year. Summerall did it one. Like all these names that I grew up listening to and idolizing, and they're on the Mount Rushmore for sure. So I just feel so lucky to do it. It won't last forever. This is my 14th, 14th in, a row. in a row. I'm so lucky and so blessed in that regard. Um, but. You, you know what? I, I, quite frankly, um, I, I've been happily married for 37 years. We've got these kids, uh, and now we've got five grandkids. We're going to have our fifth coming up this summer. Good for you. And coming home off the road and coming into a happy home, it, it, it's, um, it's indescribable. The That's beat slicer. Place. Yeah. That's how it all hey, starts. Somebody, so pretend somebody's playing a slot machine right there. Give us a play-by-play call. Pull that lever. Go down hard. And hopefully it's all sevens. You got, I got a real funny story real quick. So I said, hey, we're at the place next to the slot machines. Yeah. There's a guy in our hometown. His brother is the guy who, right there, he said he built the slot like machine. That guy there? No, the guy it's in the blue sport coat right there. Oh, I see him, yeah. He went to my high school. His brother's listening to the show, and he said, Mike Gill said he's next to Wait, the... he's, do, he's doing some kind of TV. See, look at him stand up talking to some. right? The guy over there talking to the... No, he's over here. The see, tall, the, see the aristocrat the gaming uh, box right there? Hold on, hold on. Right here, to the left. To the left of this... Oh, one. that guy! Yeah. Ah. So his name is John Hanlon. He went to my high school. I don't well, I'm, know. I'm going to say hi to John he's, when yeah, I leave. Yeah, he's right there. Yeah. He built the slot machine. His brother is in the audience in Atlantic City right now listening. How about that? What are no the kidding. chances? That guy right there. Wave. Yeah. John, there he is. Hey, hey Johnny. <laughs> the J-Man. The J-Man is here. <laughs> All right, Kevin Harlan. All right, hey, thank you. 58. Hey, thanks for that announcer thing, too. That, that really is a lot of fun. I can't believe you keep track of this stuff. We had Dean on today. 
Blandino. Blandino yeah. Oh yeah, he's he, gonna he's taking jeans by jeans for, for this yep, one Super Bowl. Yep. Yeah. Uh, so we had him on to talk about his whole uh, role. In- Isn't he something else? They, these guys, they're so smart. They're successful away from football, and they've taken that success and brought it to the NFL and brought it to the broadcast. They're, they've been great. You'll hear his voice on episode, excuse me, not episode fifty-eight, Super Bowl fifty. Oh, but I know, about I know. I'm you're, on episode you're doing all kinds. Of, are you really? <laughs> the God, inverse. You guys are. Uh, that's amazing. And I, I oh my, uh, thank you for having me on. Great to see. It's always fun to see familiar faces. We never get a chance to talk with. Yeah. The, I, I, I hear voices yeah. on the phone, you know, when I'm on. But to, to be in, in person is really a lot of fun. You're Kevin so, Harlan, everybody. You're, you're so Real nice. Plus. Thank you, guys. Yep, thank you. Great guys. to see you. We'll Great see you next see. year. J-Man, over here, right here. <laughs> Unbelievable. Uh, Kevin Harlan, everybody. His brother texted him and says he hears. Right there. He's listening. <laughs> All right. We're coming back on the other side. Uh, comedian Craig Gass will join us. I actually worked with Craig in my past, so we'll talk to him about that. That's next. And, by the way, that interview was brought to you by Ernest & Sons Old Fashioned Butcher Shop in Brigantine. Talk to my man, Mel, if you need a party tray for this year's Super Bowl. He'll take care of it. And Clark's Moving and Storage. They moved me. They can move you. They got my house all taken care of. And they can do it for you. All right, we'll come back. Comedian Craig Gass is going to join us here on the Sports Bash Live on 97.3 ESPN and the free mobile app live from Mandalay Bay site of Super Bowl 58 in Las Vegas. It's the Sports Bash, live from Mandalay Bay on Radio Row in Las Vegas, home of Super Bowl 58. Here's Mike Gill and Scott Grayson. All right, Sports Bash Live, 97.3 ESPN. Thanks to Kevin Harlan, the voice of Super Bowl 58. You'll hear him on Sunday right here on 97.3 ESPN. Mike and Scott from Fox 29. And, of course, um, we're getting ready. For Super Bowl 58 in Vegas. We got a night. Hey, there's Trevor Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence. The most surprising thing I've seen, Trevor Lawrence walking through there right now. To answer my question yeah. off the air, yes. that is the answer to the question. Uh, Craig Gass is with us. Hey, buddy. Uh, who's a comedian. And uh, I actually worked with Craig Gass. I don't know that he remembers this, but we worked together. I was at a different station at the time. And... Uh, yeah, we worked a lot together on, like, Friday nights. I used to host the uh, Miss Decadence pageant over at uh, the Trump <laughs> Marina, the old Trump Marina. And, uh, yeah, we would have Friday nights over there, and, like, it would be you and Jim Florentine and Artie and Jackie the Joke Man. And what was the qualifications to be Miss Decadence? Like, what? what, what? I, thought, I thought you were the judge. <laughs> I think I was a judge. That's what I hosted. Okay. You and, like, that crew of guys were... I the vaguely remember that. Well, everything was vague at that time. I did a lot of cocaine in my life, so I, yeah, there's definitely, the memories are very, very vague. On, on those so. nights. Oh, yeah, yeah, on every night, yeah. Yeah, there was a, definitely a period of time that actually it kind of takes me to where, what, what I'm doing in Vegas this weekend, because I'm hosting the largest watch party in Vegas. It's former NFL players like Earl Campbell. Ryan Leaf, like all these guys that that are going to be part of it, and live music from Huntley, who won The Voice last year on NBC. Uh, my buddy 
Chris Kale, uh, Five Finger Death Punch. It's called Sober Bowl. Sober Bowl. <laughs> US, and it's the only event that you can go to where you can bring your family because there will be no alcohol so- sold at the event. But there's food trucks and uh, entertainment and NFL players and 60 foot jumbotron screens and um, uh, and and it was started by people in recovery. But the goal is to have a place that you can actually hang out and watch a game without idiots that are drunk because drunk idiots yeah. ruin everything yeah I, well listen I'm, I'm not saying that i'm like a church mouse but when i watch football yeah i i don't like to indulge yeah i like to be able to focus on the game agreed and watch the game agreed so this sounds like something that i would be interested in. now we're like okay i've never been to vegas before yeah it's my first time here get out of here yeah i mean i lived in atlantic city my whole life pretty much and yeah. you know i'm like okay atlantic city i know it's a small little brother no yeah. it's Really small. Dude, I have been saying that for years, man. Like, the difference between Atlantic City and Vegas, I mean. And I'm not one of these people that's like, I hate Atlantic City. It's right. Like, I love the city. I, w- I think they could do a better job. I yeah. think there's more things that can be done there. Yeah. When you see this, you can say, they really could do a better job. Yeah. Yeah, Vegas does everything. That's why I live here now. I moved here. You live here now. I moved here four years ago, and um, and I'm working on the Howard Stern Show again for the first time in 20 years. And Yeah, I- for the people, by the way, who remember Craig, that's how I actually started working with Craig. I worked at the station. We carried the Stern Show. Yeah. So we did a lot of uh, events through the Stern Show. Yeah. Um, and... You were at with the Stern Show. How long ago was that? Yeah, we would do gigs. That well, I started working with Howard in 1993. No, I'm sorry, 1995. I started working with Howard doing celebrity voices on the show. I started doing Sam Kinison calling in live from hell, which was the most <laughs> awful, <laughs> awful comedy idea ever. Where anytime a bad person died, someone that we can all agree, okay, that was a bad person, like Jeffrey Dahmer when he died. Did you watch was, that documentary? I did, but I was the only guy writing jokes when I heard he died and going on the air the next day going, hey, we're, we're, we got a special correspondent. It's Sam Kinison live from the gates of hell. Hey, guys. It's um, it's Sam Kinison. I'm down here in hell, and um, I'm here with Je- Jeffrey Dahmer just got down here, <laughs> oh, God. and he's already looking at my ass like it's a cheap. <laughs> 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 yeah, and then, and then I started doing all these other celebrity voices on the show. Then in '98, I started writing for Howard, so packed up my stuff in Seattle, where I was living at the time. Went back home to New York so I could be closer to Howard. Moved in with another comedian, Mitch Hedberg, and um, uh, started writing for Howard. And then in 2001, I started sitting next to Howard to audition to be his sidekick, which they narrowed down to me and Artie. Artie got the job, and I started getting offered acting roles. And then now, 20 years later, Howard has me doing stuff on his show again, and it's uh, and it's crazy. Like I'm, uh, he's actually going to have me on as a guest in in three weeks, and and uh, but yeah, it's 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 been nuts. But I'm also a huge sports fan. I come to the Super Bowl every year. Right, this is something that's like your thing. I come in trying to get the silliest stuff with players. I want like Tom Brady for years. He's been to so many Super Bowls, and I've talked to him so many times. I'd go, Tom. You're so handsome, right? Like, when you look in the mirror, does your reflection ever just wink at you? Like, is it that awesome? <laughs> and Tom Brady laughed hard at that question, and it ended up on ESPN because he laughed. And then he never laughs. And he never laughs. Yeah. And then a year later, two years later, he's back at the Super Bowl again. And I said, Tom, my name is Craig Gass. I'm a stand up comedian. I got a question for you. This is my buddy Aaron. That's my buddy Jason. We were discussing the four of us together as a group, okay? And we were ranking the four of us from most handsome to least handsome. Obviously, you're number one because you're Tom Brady. 
But, Tom, who would you rank as number two? And I pointed at myself. Number three and number four. And Tom Brady actually said, wait, who am I ranking? And I go, uh, me and this guy and this guy. And Tom goes, all right, uh, fan out. And I went, oh, oh, okay. And then we all fanned out. And, dude, I didn't do this consciously. Subconsciously, I started sucking in my gut and pushing my chin out for Tom Brady. I actually tried to look more handsome for Tom Brady. So what did he say? Did you, did you rank? He said, you're all tied. Three-way tie for a second. Like, oh, man, Tom Brady thinks we're handsome. We, we, like, and then a year later, Tom Brady's back at the Super Bowl again. And I said, hey, Tom, my name's Craig Gass. And Tom Brady actually said, I remember you. And I said, well, of course you do. You're at the Super Bowl every year. Yeah, right. You probably know everybody's name here. So, uh, listen, last year you ranked us for most handsome to least handsome. And we've been fighting. <laughs> like, for the last 12 months we've been fighting. And you need to know this. Between the three of us, we've lost five pounds. And we want to know if the rankings have changed at all. And then he ranked us again. And then, and then yeah. By the way, I'm going viral right now. For all the wrong reasons with Patrick Mahomes. So did you ask? Did you tell Mahomes he was handsome? No, he's not a bad-looking guy. He's not a bad-looking guy, but I did a follow-up from last year with Mahomes. By the way, Purdy's handsome. Purdy's handsome. You know what else about Purdy that's really funny? He's got a roommate. Did you know that? His parents. He, he he's got a roommate. He he lives with somebody else. He's got a roommate. Well, he's not making all that much. He's not. No. He's only making. I mean, Craig Gass in his prime is making more than Purdy is now, probably. <laughs> Purdy's got a roommate, which I thought was hilarious. But last year, um, actually, the NFL put my stuff out with with uh, Patrick Mahomes last year. Last year, I said, Patrick, I've been telling my friends that you would play through any injury. I've been saying this for years, and now you're proving me right. And I have a list of injuries I'd just like to read off to you. You tell me if you would play through this. If you broke every finger. Would you still play? And he said, absolutely. Okay, if you broke both your ankles, <laughs> would you still play football? And he said, absolutely. And I said, okay, here's the kicker. This is it right here. What if somebody hurt your feelings? And he said, Travis Kelsey hurts my feelings every day. And I went, oh, wow. And the, the NFL put that on all their platforms without crediting me, and I had to go through all their social media and go, that was me, that was me. And the next question I had for him, which didn't make the cut, was, how do I do an impression of you? And he said, uh, my voice sounds like Kermit the Frog. And then this year, I said, hey, last year when I talked to you, you said your voice sounds like Kermit the Frog. And if you want to learn how to do impression, you do a Kermit the Frog. What is your best Kermit the Frog impression? And he went, oh, right now. This is my voice right here. This is Kermit the Frog right now. And uh, people have been putting that on social media. And on social media, they've been putting out just simply a guy in the crowd saying, what's your best Kermit the Frog impression, and everybody replying is like, "What a dick!" Like they, <laughs> they think that I'm, and that is not the context. There is a full context, which was you're expecting people though to remember from one full year ago. No, but the, if you look at the full <laughs> clip, it's me saying, "When I spoke to you last year, you said you sound like Kermit the Frog." What is your best Kermit the Frog impression? But people are just cutting out the first part of it and saying, hey, give me your best Kermit the Frog. <laughs> and I look like a jerk by doing that. That is not how that went down. So now I'm, I'm having to, like, I'm going through all the social media that that clip is on. Like, man, the, the media is so bad. They're such dicks, you know. So. When, when you try to do those things, have you had guys just totally oh, not, yeah. not want to play? Deadpan you. Um, dead dude. It was the same year that I got my best moment. My most viral moment got 3 million views within 24 hours. It was Peyton Manning, who couldn't have been cooler. I said, Peyton Manning, my name's Craig Gass, I'm a stand-up comedian, and I want to pitch you a game show idea. 
called Peyton Manning Trivia, where it is impossible for you to ever get a question wrong. And he said, impossible. And I said, for you, it'll be impossible. And we're going to do a speed round right now. What is the largest city in the state of Nebraska? <laughs> Omaha. Omaha. <laughs> where is the College World Series played at every year? Omaha. And then I just went through like 10 questions, same answer. And I said, okay, let me just check the answers. Omaha. 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 <laughs> you are correct again, sir. And Peyton laughed. And it ended up going crazy viral. And that was the Denver Broncos. They walk off the field, and now here comes the Carolina Panthers. And I thought, oh, man, Peyton Manning was so great. Wait till Cam Newton gets a hold of me. Cam Newton's going <laughs> to love me. Did you dude, see him this week? I did. He's walking around with a pimp what outfit. What a big dude. Yeah, and I walked up to Cam Newton. Do you know what Cam Newton's uh, uh, named his son? <laughs> no. Do Cam, I want to know? <laughs> Cam Newton named his son Chosen. Chosen Newton. As in, yeah, chosen. Chosen one. Chosen one. And that, as if, you know, yeah, as the chosen one. And I, I said, Cam, I love that uh, you came up with such a great name for your son, uh, Chosen. And uh, um, I have a question. Do you ever worry about the other kids that he's going to school with <laughs> and them not knowing that they're not the chosen? <laughs> And he was deadpan, and he started giving me a really serious answer. And I said, okay, but were you trying to one-up anybody who names their kid Jesus? And, he's, and he just shut me out. He completely shut me out. And I look like a jerk if I put that video This is out. multiple times yeah. you look like a jerk. Yeah. <laughs> well, you never know because, dude, you listen, I've been doing radio as long as I've been doing stand-up, 30 years. You guys are in, in my opinion, the worst kind of radio to interview people because – in my opinion, athletes just won't give you anything. And they take themselves very seriously, and they tend to, to speak in sweeping. Uh, you just They all use the same phrasing and the same. They, they don't give you a lot of personality. And it's tough to get stuff from these guys. But you got a guy like Travis Kelsey, who's yeah. got the whole Taylor Swift storyline, yeah. and he's got a great personality. Did yeah. you try to do anything with him? I did, and he stepped on it right before I even got to. Like, he thought... Like, it was a build-up. It was a bait-and-switch question. I said, <laughs> Travis, Valentine's Day. It's coming up in two weeks. What have you got planned for Rambo and Chauncey, your dog? And before I even got Jeez. to Rambo and Chauncey, he said, oh, you know what? I don't even think that far ahead. And I was like, damn it. Oh, I should have yeah. jumped right to Cha uh, Rambo and Chauncey right away. Because then the follow-up was, are you going to hook up your dogs with Taylor Swift's dogs? Oh, like, and, I just, and I didn't get a chance to get that far because and it's you know every year coming in here it's it's a learning experience. Sometimes it's not the big names that will give you the content you're looking for. Generally, that's the way it happens. Super Bowl Fifty with the Broncos and the Panthers. The halftime show <laughs> was Coldplay. I loved walking up to NFL players and going, "Man, Coldplay uh, halftime show. What's your favorite Coldplay song?" <laughs> and every single player going, "Oh man." I, I like them all. I like them all. Yeah. They're all they're all great. And I'm like, you know, and there was one guy in the Broncos. You can see the video on YouTube. One guy in the Broncos said, "Oh, um, you know what? I'm actually half white, so I know the answer to this." <laughs> <laughs> Which was hilarious. Uh, Craig Gass is our guest, by the way. Uh, you are returning to Atlantic City. Yes, in July. I'm going to be there, I believe it's July 11th and 12th or 12th and 13th to resorts. I'll be at resorts uh, the, the week, whatever the weekend is after 4th of July. I will be back in Atlantic City, one of my favorite places. Well, how long has it been? It well, felt like um, 
all this stuff that like we used to do was like yesterday, and now Dude. it's twenty some years ago. It's 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 a it's crazy. It's been so long since I've been back there. Cannot wait to get back out there. Um, I just uh, I have so many good memories of uh, of going out there and having fun, and and that that resort vibe on the East Coast is so rare. And uh, I'm just looking forward to getting back there and, and doing those shows again. But, yeah, and, dude, when I get back in there, I want to come in and have fun with you in the studio um, and, and do some silly stuff. Because my favorite thing to do is is I'm, I'm a guy who does voices. I do voices with Howard Stern and with Family Guy and American Dad. I love to come on not as a guy who does impressions, but just straight up, hey, uh, we're being joined right now by a bunch of celebrities who just came in the studio. We got Tracy Morgan and and uh, Adam Sandler. Dude, did they tell you what I do here at the Super Bowl every year that annoys people every year? <laughs> with the, with the, I have my. What are you asking? Quarterbacks if they're handsome? Is that no. enough? <laughs> That's not enough? <laughs> my radio buddies at the beginning of the week, they'll ask me, because you know, Monday and Tuesday is really slow. Oh, yeah. And they'll say, hey, dude, can you join us as somebody famous so it sounds cool <laughs> back in Des Moines? <laughs> and the only remotely sports guy I can do an impression of is Tom Arnold, who used to host the best damn sports right. show period. Right, right. And so, that's pretty remote. And that's remote. And I will go full-blown Tom Arnold on the air. And they'll go, hey, we're live from the Super Bowl with Tom Arnold. Hey, Tom, what's going on? Hey, guys, uh, not much. Uh, we're here at the Super Bowl. And uh, a lot of celebrities are coming into town. Uh, I was actually at a Cocaine Anonymous meeting last night with Brett Favre. I probably should say this out loud. Brett Favre is a big cokehead, And uh, his sponsor is uh, Brian Gumbel. Brian, is a, uh, he's addicted to upskirt porn. And, again, I shouldn't say this out loud, but Brian, sorry, he's uh, pumping off at work. And, uh, and I'll just start. I'll just start naming random. These are randoms. Random yeah. sports figures, and attaching them to addictions. And every year, the internet will attack Tom Arnold, and people will go, "Dude, it's supposed to be anonymous. What are you doing, dude? You're naming people. You're not supposed to name people." And every year, Tom Arnold will fight. Every individual and go, uh, hey, did you notice that uh, uh, Sam Kinison was also on the show? And that guy's been dead for 30 years, you idiot. That wasn't me. That's a comedian. His name's Craig Gass. I wish he would stop. And he'll fight the entire internet. Have you ever met him? I met him here. (laughs) Tom Arnold? Well, there's two two stories about meeting him. Uh One was he was really nice to me when I first met him. And I prank called him the first time I ever met him. I was a new comedian. And another comedian I was that I would see at open mics worked at a hotel in Seattle. And he said, dude, all the celebrities from Planet Hollywood's opening are staying at my hotel. And I go, who's there? And he goes, dude, Sylvester Stallone, Arnold Schwarzenegger, Tom Arnold. And I go, Tom Arnold's at your hotel? <laughs> and I was like, Cause Tom Arnold had just killed it in, uh, uh, what was it, um, uh, True Lies and... Was it nine months? Is that is that the one he did with Hugh Grant? Yeah. And um, and he was hilarious. I called the hotel that night and I said, hi, Tom Arnold, please. Tom Arnold picks up the phone and he goes, hello. And I said, Tom, it's Sam Kinison. <laughs> Sam Kinison had been dead for five years. And Tom Arnold goes, hey, buddy, how you been? And he started talking to me. <laughs> and I said, oh, Tom, I need some help. I need, I need you to help me out here in the afterlife. Yeah, whatever you need, buddy. I can help you out. Whatever you need. I said, well, I need you to get me some cocaine. And he goes, okay, buddy, tell me how to do it. And I said, I said, 
Well, first of all, I need you to I need you to front me the cash. I need you to front me the cash. And then the second thing is, I need you to purchase the cocaine. And when you go back to Los Angeles, I want you to go back to L.A. and I want you to find Jerry Lewis's house. Oh, and when you go to Jerry's house, I want you to take the cocaine and put it in the small pocket of his pants, and I'll have it when he gets here in three weeks. Oh! Oh! And then I stopped and said, Tom, I'm sorry, my name's Craig Gass. I'm a, I'm a huge fan of yours. I'm a, I'm a stand-up comedian. And Tom goes, man, that uh, that impression is so good that I, I, need, I need to call my sponsor. That's how good it is. That's how good it is. And then the oh, second man. time I met him was here at the at a roast of Cheech and Chong. And I said, Tom. Oh, jeez. A I, roast of Cheech and Chong. Chong. And it was my first time meeting him in person. And I've been doing the Tom Arnold thing at the Super Bowl for years. And I go, Tom, Craig Gass. And he went, oh, hey. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, you're great. You're great. Which says everything. Right. It says oh, everything. Uh, Craig Gass, man. Uh, good to see you here in uh, Vegas. Great He'll be back in Atlantic man. City. In and uh, when that gets closer in July, we'll have to uh, reconnect there. And, Absolutely. Uh, holy moly, we've been... We've been uh, doing gymnastics all day to uh, find times and slots and we finally got you on here right in the drive time on a friday in atlantic city we're in vegas Perfect. that's craig gas everybody thank uh, you dude good to that see that was you. fun man i'll see you guys next time i'll be in atlantic city in july and we'll do it up nice good uh, make sure to call your sponsor <laughs> <laughs> all right coming back more sports bash we'll wrap up uh the hour and uh, we'll take you to the top sixers play tonight right Good yeah. to see a Buddy Heald for the first They're time. They're supposed to play. Yeah. Buddy Heald oh, and you better uh, win. Fain. You better win! <laughs> All right, coming back, more Sports Bash, 97.3 ESPN. It's the For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. From Mandalay Bay on Radio Row in Las Vegas, home of Super Bowl 58, here's Mike Gill and Scott Grayson. All right, Mike Gill, Scott Grayson from Fox 29. Of course, our annual trek to Radio Row. It's almost coming to a close, but not before uh, we talk to our buddy Nick Ferguson, 10-year NFL veteran with the Denver Broncos. Uh, a lot of, uh, you know, memories of having conversations over the years about Eagles and Broncos and all those games. And we want to get some thoughts on the state of the league and kind of get your thoughts, too, on what happened with that Eagles team because they looked really good for – about 11 games, and then nobody <laughs> seems to be able to have an answer. But you would be uniquely uh, qualified to answer this because you played safety in the league. Yes. And I'm wondering if you, like, watch this Eagles team, because you tweet at us a lot. You'll hit at 973. This is what happened. Um, they made a coordinator change on defense. And mm-hmm. I'm wondering, like, I, don't, I can't imagine that ever happened to you where the coordinator maybe got fired in the middle of a tenure. But, like, how difficult must that be for a team to have to adjust to a different play caller. And the play caller is the guy, a guy who didn't even design the defense. Yeah, it makes it really uh, difficult as, as a player, and it makes you think about the decisions that are make, being made from a coaching standpoint. Why do this and why do this now? If we are struggling, let us kind of work through these struggles together. But you bring in someone else who may not be as aggressive or may be too aggressive with their play calls. And the one thing as players like we like we're creatures of habit we are we all are 
and we don't want anything in our world to be uh, disrupted. How quickly are the plays coming in? Are you running too much man? Are you running too much zone? Are you putting me in the right position to be effective and productive? And when you go through a cycle of defensive coordinators, once again, it, it, it impacts your rhythm and how you work. So watching uh, that Philadelphia defense, I, I was shocked because when you think about how many guys you guys acquired from the University of Georgia <laughs> that I was like, I mean, I went to Georgia Tech, so I can't root for Georgia guys, but I was like, man, Philly, they're going to they're gonna ball out. But then to see that guys got injured, yeah. that's another aspect of it. When you have sustained injuries at key positions, it affects what you can do. So it comes back to your depth. Do you have the right depth? So, I mean, when you watch a team like that and just see – this looks terrible. Like, does it scream something to you? Communication, terminology, lack of talent. I mean, ultimately, like, is there something that stands out about why that defense? I mean, people were just getting chunks of yardage against them. Well, for me, it boils down to one particular thing that upset me uh, as a player and did the same thing as a coach. Watching guys go out and miss tackles. That is the fundamental part of what you do. You should practice tackling every single day. And it doesn't boil down to talent. It's effort. Are you willing to sacrifice yourself, your body, to make sure that your team won? And watching some of those games with the Philly defense, man, I ended up pulling a Steve Spurrier, throwing a ball cap at the television because it's just like, <laughs> well, why can't these guys not tackle? What seems to be the problem? Now, we can all say that. That is the scheme may be on the defensive coordinator, right? But your inability to tackle and do your job, that's on you as a player. And some of that tackling out there by Philly was so embarrassing. The playoff game was bad. Oh, it was so embarrassing. So you've been in a locker room a lot of times, a 10-year veteran in the league. You've been in a bunch of different locker rooms uh, in that time. I'm sure you weren't a part of a collapse like that, but – can you imagine and try to give us some insight on what might have been going on in that locker room and and what that was like? Yeah, I've been in a situation similar. What happens is you get what I call that cannibalism type of mentality. Mm. And what that means is that finger-pointing starts. You start out the season doing well, and then everyone's patting you on the back, people are reading the, the news clippings and talking about themselves on social media, and then you hit a speed bump. Then there's a number of speed bumps you hit down and you go across and that's when you really find out who you are as an individual and as a team and what i've seen sometimes is that guys turn on one another that's the last thing you need to do because you win and you lose as a team you got to find a way to grind that out and put things back on track but it seemed like what was happening in philly that you know maybe guys started thinking about self right how can i survive as an individual because you realize once again when there's a change at your play calling standpoint uh and you start to look around like who's going to be next whose contract is expiring i need to look out for myself damn this football team right so it's human nature yeah it, it is it is human nature then you look and say well what individual on the offensive defensive side of the ball is going to bring the team together and it just seemed like you know Jalen was trying to he was trying to do everything he could but it got to a, per, a point where you had Brown getting injured. And then now you start depressed. Now you start to make throws that you don't ordinarily make. Like, go back to the Seattle game, right? 
the pass he threw to Brown on the right side. That was a forced pass. You didn't have to. You still had time on the clock to move the ball mm -hmm. into scoring position. Well, I was going to ask you, uh, we're talking with Nick Ferguson, 10-year NFL veteran. Uh, and, of course, he spent time in Denver, does a lot of media stuff. And we're going to talk about uh, why he's in Vegas as well. Everybody's in Vegas. Uh, it seems like this place has just been jumping with people. It's been unbelievable. But as a defensive player, not only did the offense, I mean, the defense look amateur yeah. i mean their offense you were like what are you doing so as a defensive player if you're preparing for philly towards the end there where you're like this team is as predictable as can be yeah that was the whole thing and and i, I know with you guys you, you understand this you lose both your offense and defensive coordinator who will who help you guys get to the super bowl when that happens it put a stranglehold on both sides of the ball this is why that you have to always make sure that you are coaching your coaches. Because when you do well in the league, you're going to lose players, you're going to lose coaches. So when you do that, do you have other guys in waiting? And, you know, decide tried to remedy the situation as much as he could. And Matt Patricia came in, and I was like, what's going on with this? Why are you making this move to Patricia right now? And I know, I mean, Patricia played, had some great defensive units uh, when he was with the Patriots, but this is a different group of guys in Philly, and you have to cater your defense to the skill set of what you have on the field. And I don't believe, uh, it's in my opinion, my own personal opinion, that those guys were not set up to succeed. So you obviously played defensive back. Uh, we watched James Bradbury. What did you see out of Bradbury's second half of the season? Really, this season, did, did, did he lose a step? You know, it's not a, a thing about a player losing step. It's kind of uh, more confidence. That's what I like to call it, is confidence. When you are so used or, or people are used to you playing a certain way and then you have a bad play, then you start to overthink the situation. You start thinking about it. You never move past that moment. So if you stuck in that particular space, you're going to constantly revisit mentally over and over and over that particular play. That's why they said that this game is more like 99.1% mental and the other percent physical because your, your mental capacity or the lack of can affect you tremendously in your ability to go out and do your job. Yeah, it's uh, it's funny because I think so many times we look at teams and say this one's way more talented than that one. But in reality, the difference between a team that sometimes wins 11 games and wins four games is a play here and a play there from that team winning six, seven, eight, nine games that they just have to learn how to win or get the mental aspect of the game better. Well, yeah, that that's a huge part of it. If you look at this season, I think we've seen the most parity in the NFL this season. Oh, yeah. So many games were so close by a touchdown or a field goal. And so many teams were involved the last week of the year in playoff positioning. Ab absolutely. Now, I know they added another playoff team, right. but. Right, and, and it goes back to those teams that are able to survive those particular moments. Yeah. Right? Do you have impact players? that can make plays when you need it. It takes me back to a time when I played for the Broncos and I played with John Lynch and Champ Bailey. We knew defensively anytime we needed a turnover, 24 was going to give it for us, right? And all we had to do is just kind of do our jobs. When you look at Philly, you say, okay, well. You what? gave 24 a big one, by the way. Yes, yes, <laughs> against Tom Brady. I remember that. <laughs> and the question is, when you look at Philly, you say, well, which guys on that defense towards the end of the season? We're going to be impact players, yeah. right? Not not helping extend drive. You want to be a drive killer. 
but it was kind of different for you guys in Philly. Nick Ferguson here in Vegas. Uh, this week, there's so much going on. There's so many messages, and you have maybe a message uh, that a lot of people uh, need to hear. Drugfreeworld.org, you're out representing them, and, and kind of tell us a little bit about, you know, this is a crazy week out in yes, a crazy spot. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> Well, we are in Sin City, and the, the idea is... And you're on the radio in Atlantic City, by the way. Yes. This is... This, so it, it's a, little, a lot of synergy there. <laughs> it is. The idea is just try to uh, give people information that they can use, information that they can go out, change their family, change the world. And I've always said that I wanted to change the world one person at a time. And we are at a crossroads in our society where drugs are just kind of crippling families. People are dying. I've had it happen in my family. So I said, what better way for me to get back and try to bring balance back to the situation and drugfreeworld.org allows me to do this. I do this with uh, Marshawn, I mean Marshall Falk, and we go around to different schools, different areas, different states, telling people about this all-important campaign. And the idea is to educate our kids so they know the harmful, the true harmful dangers of drugs when they go out in society. And we would love to wrap our arms around our kids and be protective when they leave the house. We can't do that. We want to make sure that we give them the right information, the right education to make the right decisions. And the one thing about this program, it is absolutely free. It's great to see the messages. You know, we just had Craig Gass on, and he's having a viewing party for the Super Bowl. You know, that the people can come out to the Super Bowl and not feel pressured and that there's options for them out there. Absolutely. Make sure you check out drugfreeworld.org. Uh, Nick Ferguson, excellent stuff. It's always fun catching up with you. It's the first time we got to see you here in person yeah. on Radio Row. We've been uh, having you on the phone on the radio for years, uh, but this has been very uh, uh, informative. One thing before I go. Yes. Now you guys have Vic Fangio out there. And oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. Christian Parker, who was uh, the former DB coach for the Denver Broncos. So I'm looking forward to see what those two can do. I was going to say, yeah, he was the head coach in Denver. You were, uh, you know, out in Denver as a former player, but also covering that team. It's going to be interesting because I will say, Ed Gannon yep. was kind of a disciple of Fangio. Desai runs a similar defensive style. The Eagle fans, not a big fan of that style of defense. The passive, not a lot of pressure not a lot eagle fans jim johnson they want to see buddy ryan they want to see a lot of blitzing i don't know that we're gonna get that but i I don't know if you're going to get that and for me i I err on the side of having a mixture in your defensive calls you can't just sit back and play a lot of zone to put a lot of pressure on your pass rush to be effective every single down you have to run a couple of pressure packages but that was my big thing I mean, the city of brotherly love. Let's see if they open their arms and embrace one of their own in Vic Fangio. So, you know, real quick, because I know you got to move on, too, but the with Vic and, and the reports out of Miami about some of those players kind of living up the Miami lifestyle a little too much, <laughs> what is Vic's style like, and will it work for, for, for these guys there? Well, it, it, it can work, but you need 11 guys on the same page. But I will say, based on the personnel that the Eagles have, that's more of a pressure-type defense than playing a defense that's based on bend but don't break. To me, you want to give your guys a chance to get after the opposing quarterbacks and really wreck shop. And we always talk about game records. You look on that Philly roster, right, they have a lot of game records. Go back to the, those guys who came from the University of Georgia. You want to give them a chance to be successful. So hopefully Vic changes a little and he gets a little aggressive at moments. Uh, in the game, maybe in the red zone or maybe on third down you like situations. Cal- you like Callum Moore? Yes. 
Yeah, I definitely love Kellen Moore. Yeah. All right. See how that offense looks with Kellen yeah. Moore now. Yes. Uh, Nick Ferguson, everybody, former Great NFL safety, 10 years in the league. Uh, and don't forget, uh, drugfreeworld.org for more information. Appreciate it, guys. Thank, Thank you, you, Nick. All right, we're going to get ready to wrap up the show here on Radio Row. The week is almost over. We'll wrap it all up coming up next live at Mandalay Bay. That conversation with Nick Ferguson was brought to you by our friends at Ernest & Sons Old Fashioned Butcher Shop in Brigantine and Clark's Moving in Storage. Check them all out. If you're thinking about a move, Clark's Moving in Storage can do it for you. More Sports Badge coming up. It's the For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Live from Mandalay Bay on Radio Row in Las Vegas, home of Super Bowl 58. Here's Mike Gill and Scott Grayson. All right, Mike and Scott. Getting ready to wrap up the, the week, man. It's been crazy. Nick Ferguson was great. I love getting that kind of insight from somebody who played a position that the Eagles really had some problems in. We could have picked his brain on that. Um, I thought he gave us really good insight. So hopefully you enjoyed that. We want to thank our sponsors, of course, Ernest and Sons Old Fashioned Butcher Shop. Hey, don't forget, the game's on Sunday. If you're having somebody over, you're having a party, get the tray from there. They, they supported us to come out here, make the drive to Brigantine, tell them you heard them right here on the Sports Bash, and you want to support them because they supported us. And Clark's moving in storage. They're great. They're going to be back for the baseball season. Uh, by the way, how about this news with Brandon Marsh? We didn't get a real chance to talk about that, but Brandon Marsh getting surgery. Uh, they said he's going to be ready for opening day, but that's going to put him behind. Well, everybody's wondering why now. You know, there's there's unanswered, but what led to that instead of doing this a month or two ago? By the way, Joe Dooney, uh, Dooney uh, officially ruled out for the game for Kansas City. Um, yeah, and I actually heard something the other day regarding, um, like, last year. Dave Dombrowski had mentioned, like, you know, Harper, Turner, Real Muto, um, Taiwan Walker, Suarez. They were all at the World Baseball Classic, and he said he didn't think any of them got enough at-bats or innings in spring training. And that, like, they got off to a little bit of a slow start. And I'm wondering, like, if that was kind of interesting. But, like, now Marsh, what's going to – what does that mean for that center field spot? Well, they want Rojas to win it. I think we've seen that. Um, and they're looking for him to go out without the pressure now, I guess, in spring training. We know he's going to get a lot of reps uh, because they just won't have Marsh well, playing, Well, I think too. they would like him to win it, but they said they're not handing it to no, him. No, they're not handing it to him. You're right. They want him to win it. They want him to win that job. And, and it looks like – that Rojas was putting in a lot of work this offseason. Now we'll see. Oh, yeah. We'll see if that that provides some fruit afterwards. But uh, you know, you know, yeah. Did you have a favorite conversation this week? Well, Kenny Mayne had me laughing the most. I would say that. I would say from a from a football standpoint, Britton Covey was very very interesting and enlightening to talk to. I thought that was a good conversation. Yeah. Uh, I, I how agree. about you? I agree. I thought Britton was a breath of fresh air, honest, gave us. Some answers. Like, why did this Eagles team struggle? You heard some answers. Uh, I want to thank our guests, Zach Berman, Sean Merriman, Adam Kaplan, Brian Woods, Clay Harbor, Eric Kramer, Mike Lombardi. 
Lisa Kearney. That was a lot of fun, by the oh, way. Yeah. Uh, Mike Golick, Britton Covey, Kenny Maine, Sal Palladonio, Bilal Powell, Hugh Myers, who, by the way, is over there talking to Bamani Jones. And you'll hear that tonight on 97.3 ESPN. Kevin Harlan. Kevin Harlan. A little play-by-play on the meat slicer. <laughs> Craig Gass and Nick Ferguson. Josh Henning produced this week of shows. Good job back at the studio keeping up with our craziness. Uh, Billy Schwein, by the way, yeah. <laughs> did a nice job. Or Still didn't tackle gave Devontae a lot Smith. Of, gave a lot of effort. He <laughs> did a lot, had a lot of effort. So thanks to Billy for his work. And, of course, Scott, every year together out here, we look forward to next year in New Orleans. Yes, I appreciate it. From the Mandalay Bay for the final time, it's the Sports Bash on 97.3 ESPN. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.